right, it's a bear show. What are we going to do, guys? We're going to have fun tonight. Yeah, let's have some fun. Let's have some. Wait. Wait for it. Oh, I hate when this stuff's not queued up. Let. I might go home. This did not work. Mike, pull my car around. Um, Pat, there's actually snacks in my trunk. Can you get them? Telling you, if I hear one, I'm parked in the back. Trunk. You pop the trunk. You can figure that out, right? All right. Just snacks. Anything that looks like it's my personal stuff, leave it. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Well, look at it to make sure you know it's not yours to bring in. Then don't look back. Don't look at it twice, I guess is what I'm saying. Make Jason help you carry the stuff. His back hurts. Yeah, welcome. Hey, everybody. It's the best show. What are we going to do tonight? We got a great show lined up for you tonight. We got the snacks. I'm telling you, if I hear one, first of all, the pretzels with the peanut butter in the middle. I'm telling you right now, I got a new container of it. If you bums don't close that thing, seal that thing tight, you seal that thing tight as if you're on a, a bleeping submarine from this point on. As if water's going to start flowing in. Every time I come, I have uh, the loose cap on it. And I know they wouldn't do it at home. If they had a, if they had a container of pretzels, peanut butter filled pretzels, they would at home, they'd have that thing as tight as can be. They'd have that thing, there would be, uh, yeah, you'd think they sealed it shut with Flex Seal the way they'd have it. Now here, half turn, half turn of the lid, good enough. And then last week, hey, Mike's like, yeah, these boy, these are really stale now. Yeah, you think? Maybe if you, if you guys would close it, they wouldn't be. Boy, these are really stale now. So anyway, where was I? We're having a good, we're gonna have a great show. It already is a great show. This is some people's favorite thing. It's other people's least favorite thing. What are you gonna do? We got Michael Kupperman's gonna be in studio. You know him. He's the uh, illustrator and the writer and the uh, cartoon or, right? And he's got a new book. And I'm telling you, this book is called All the Answers. It's a, one of this, this is, this is a high watermark for a guy who just lives this guy lives uh, like he's a yacht, high water. He's so high water, he's like a yacht. This guy. And this is a this is a a, a a highlight in a career that's nothing but highlights. And I can't wait to talk to him about it. And uh, yeah. So anyway, I says to you, he'll be on later. But in the meantime, it's just me and you, and we're gonna sit back. And relax. And I'm telling you, Pat, if you go through my trunk and you start poking around, I'm going to wrap your fingers with a ruler. And don't you follow them out there, Mike. It's about the only thing that will get you off that chair. 
for the three hours. These are things to get Mike out of that chair in the three hours. The pizza shows up. And by the way, Mike, they ordered good pizza before you got here. That was like a calculated move. Jason was like, I'm not eating that that junk pizza that that Mike always wants. I, I didn't... I ate enough bad pizza as a kid in West Virginia. I'm not eating it anymore. Whatever. What is bad pizza, really? Look, maybe if it's made with Chef Boyardee, yeah, that would be bad pizza. But, on the whole, it's just different tiers. It's all good, though, right? You get pizza at an ice cream shop. Even that pizza out here is not that bad compared to the whatever. I never got this far in the music. How about that? I didn't know the song did this. But you know what I know? What uh, You know what I know what does what? Is me doing what I do. And it's time for me and you to get the best show started. So sit back, relax. we got Michael Kupperman coming up later. A grand old time for all of us. Best show. not start when I wanted you that's that that let me just say that that hurts couldn't be cool best show up 
Welcome, my friends, to the show that never ends. No matter how hard you wish it would, the best show just keeps on being good. Better than good. We're the best. Every week we get put to the test. And week after week, we beat the rest. That's why it's called The Best Show, baby. I know it drives the competition crazy. But you know what? They can all jump in a lake. Because it's Best Show time. Tuesday night. We own Tuesday nights. And if you don't like it, leave. I don't know what to say. I'm not going to say something filthy. No. Let's go. You don't like it. There's other things to listen to. There's other podcasts. There's plenty of other podcasts. So many other podcasts now. Like, uh, like the, what you call it, the Hollywood Handbook. Because I was listening to an episode of this show, and they did something at a comedy festival, and they flopped. I would look, and they flopped, and then they talked about it. It was funny. It was very funny. The new the new episode of comedy, uh, no, not comedy. What is it again? Hollywood Handbook. It's them flopping. Very funny, hearing them flop. Um. One way that they are a flop, though, not in a comedic way, is uh, in terms of charity. It's sick. Hollywood Handbook. Uh, charity. The charity. The handbook for Hollywood stuff is filled with stuff. The, the Hollywood charity book. is That's an empty notebook. On the other hand... Best show. What did we do last week? Gave more money to the community food bank in New Jersey. What? Oh no, here he comes. Sorry. Thank you. You know, the word hero gets thrown around uh, a little too, a little too uh, uh, comfortably these days. But Jason, aka Dudio, who helped carry the snacks in. You know, Mike said to me while I was playing that record by. Uh, we're playing Lithics. It's a new record by Lithics. It's a good record. Excuse Generator is the name of that song. It's on uh, Kill Rockstars. New album. So good. Excuse Generator by Lithics. The name of the album is Mating Surfaces. As, my, as Mike is standing there watching them bring the snacks in, he, say, he says to me, Oh, I sure, sure would have liked some applesauce. Applesauce? Go get your own applesauce. This guy gets it. Yeah. Oh, I sure would have liked some applesauce. So, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, just can't make everyone happy. And I'm telling you, if I come out there and that thing is loose on the peanut butter pretzels, I'm, I'm just a, you're a, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be so in the flesh if that thing's loose. That lid.
Yes, the Lithics. Great record. Um, Kill Rockstar is one of my favorite labels. The phone number, 201-332-3484. Here on The Best Show. Who, who's good here, Mike? One? Best Show, hi. Well, hello, Sharpling. Okay. Hello? Yeah, yeah, hi. I'm sorry, that was my uh, that was my spike impression. I've been listening to a lot of old... Okay, well, you threw me there for a second. To, to whom am I speaking? This is Rodrigo from Mexico City. How are you, young man? I'm fine, I'm fine. This just started off horribly. I Last time I called, I was you too threw, nervous. You, I threw, you threw me. I thought, I thought you just had a little tood. I thought I was getting some tood. No tood, sir. Well, no hello tood. there, Sharpling. Yeah, yeah, that's I what I was trying it. to do. I get it, I get it now, I get it now. <laughs> what was your name again? Rodrigo. Rodrigo. I'm, I'm saying it as American as I can because last time I said it normally and you you said what the what. But yeah, Rodrigo from Mexico City. Well, welcome, Rodrigo. Uh, what's Thank going you. on tonight in Mexico City? Um, it's not, not nothing much really. I, I, I'm reading the, the Green Mile, but that's not what I that's not what I was calling about. You're reading um, the Green Mile, written by Stephen. King. Stephen King, yes. But last time I talked to you, I, was, I, I tried to read The Dome, and I couldn't because it was so boring. I don't know if you... Uh-huh. And then I tried to watch the TV show, The Dome, but I couldn't either because it was so boring. But The Green Mile is so far so good. Good. Keep with it. Yeah. Keep yeah, with I it. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I was calling because I heard of a new podcast that came out, and I wanted to know if you knew about this. Uh, if you're excited. Uh, have you heard about the... John Taffer's podcast. The the uh, the guy from uh, um, Bar, Rescue. Bar Rescue. Yes, he has a podcast. A couple people alerted me to to his podcast that that the 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 uh, uh, it's like a, a, the the uh, the bobblehead come to life. <laughs> yes, John Taffer, whose head is. Uh, uh, perennially at a uh, 45 degree angle <laughs> as he explains to you what your why your bar you ever see those fancy drinks on that show that they they bring in the mix this is the greatest mixologist ever we're going to fix your bar <laughs> they start they start proposing the most complicated drink you've ever seen that now these the problem it's like Hey, the problem with the bar that that you're coming in to fix is the 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 one of the bartenders is using the back sink as a toilet. <laughs> it's not it's not that they're that they can't mix a drink that has the proper amount of of uh, of uh of orange rind in it. Like that's like 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 burnt orange rind. Yeah, and this one right. we call, this is called uh, the Kentucky Derby uh, drink. It's all these corniest <laughs> names. You know, this one's called, if it was in, in Brooklyn, it's like, this one's called the Brooklyn Bridge. And it's a, uh, and it's a fun drink. It's a, uh, 
It's a, it's got bitters and the burnt orange. What? No, that's not the problem with this bar. The problem with the bar is that the owner is, uh, is, is sexually assaulting the customers. <laughs> that's the problem. That might need to get fixed before the, before you start proposing that, that completely unqualified bartenders learn how to make elaborate cocktails. Right, in, in, in record time, too. Yes, They're, in record time, exactly. Time them. Yeah. So, so now this guy has a podcast. Have you listened to it, Rodrigo? I, as I was telling you about this podcast, I realized I should have listened to it before calling. I, all I know is that it's called No Excuses. Yeah, no excuse. And that he uh, he's going to talk about not about bars. Mm-hmm. It says that uh, he brings a straight talk and unapologetic approach to daily topics, current events, and oh, celebrity goody. guest interviews. Oh boy, that's that's exactly what it was missing. I, I just was missing John Taffer's <laughs> take on on the world. Right. I think uh, there's not enough uh, toxic, just sludge in political opinion. Uh, it's good that we now have John Taffer. I'm sure, uh, like, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure he's a Trump guy, right? Look, I don't know. You, I'm sorry. Rodrigo, I always, I always talk about Trump with you. I, that's the last uh, time I, Rodrigo, I say that. Look, this is all I'm going to say. Rodrigo, <laughs> look. Do I like the president? I'm starting to not like him. Y- yeah. Want to talk? I mean, about no, I'm kidding. Of course. Yeah. Not. But look. You, you, if you want, if you want, po- look again, I don't blame you, Rodrigo, but if you want politics, you know where you can get poli- people talking politics? Anywhere! Anywhere but here! This is literally the only place on earth where <laughs> we're not just talking about that. I'm listening the other, I'm listening to the basketball, uh, radio show on, on the radio, and they're just talking about basketball. And they, the next thing, guys, on a five-minute tear about the press, it's like about the politics. It's like, oh, can't you just talk about? It's a basketball station. You can't just talk about. We got this guy's. This guy. Well, LeBron James made a donation. The thing, not like oh, something that the pre- like, uh, like I don't see uh, the president doing things like it's. Uh... Yeah, now it's not. I'm sorry. Don't I'm like, Rodrigo, now I feel bad. Rodrigo, you don't worry about it, my friend. You don't worry about it. Okay. Well, look, you check this pod. This is what I'm going to say to you. Your homework. <laughs> yes. Listen to this podcast. Yes. Call in next week. Okay. And tell me, tell me what an episode of No Excuses. How many excuses do you think this guy's going to make when uh, his podcast goes under? <laughs> the no, glut, no. the glut of podcasts. Zero. Can you imagine these podcasts? The glut. <laughs> Everyone, yes. I got. Well, it's, it's about time I threw my hat in the ring. Here's my podcast. Right. What's that, Mike? Oh, good. Oh, good. Alan Alda has a podcast now. Alan, who, who, by the way, revealed that he's uh, dealing with sickness. Yeah. We hope he's okay. Um, but look, just don't do a podcast, Alan Alda. What are you doing, a- a- Alec Baldwin? <laughs> Can you imagine listening to Alec Baldwin bla- interviewing yeah. somebody like? 
This guy who's only, when they start talking, all he hears is, he might as well just hear, like, the sound of, like, an old AOL modem, uh, cl- like, <laughs> like, he's not interested in what they're saying. He's just waiting for the, for the sound to stop so he can start talking again. This guy, Alec Baldwin. What a buffoon. He's yeah. a buffona. Oh, he's a, right? A straight up buffona. I don't know what that, yeah. Buffoon. Sure. Well, look, young man, you have a grand evening. I don't call Thank you, you Tom. Man. I don't know, you, you'd be 80. I don't know. And maybe you don't identify as a man. I don't know. Rodrigo, no, you have a great night. I identify as a man. Oh, you yeah, have a great a man, night. Though. Great. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, sir. Have okay. a good night. You too. All right. Back to the phones. 201-332-3484. Best show. Hi. Hi, Tom. It's Julian in Los Angeles. Julian in Los Angeles. What's up, Julian? Uh, not much. Um, uh, how are you doing? I'm all right. What neighborhood are you in in Los Angeles? I'm in Silver Lake. In Silver Lake. Love it. How's that yeah. going for you? It's going pretty well. There's a uh, warm one out, but it's cooling down. Do you ever like to eat at that one place? Oh, yeah. I know the one you're talking the about. Burger, Everybody goes there. The burger place. Burger place. Oh, that burger. Burger? The best Which burgers. one? You know the place. Those are just the best burgers. Oh yeah, there's nothing, nothing. Uh, you can't find it anywhere else. Yeah. It's amazing for a city as health conscious as Los Angeles. Every third place is a, ha- a burger place. You gotta order the Boca Burger. Boca Burger. Look, you get to it. They sell. You know where they sell those? Costco. <laughs> Not that special. You know, yeah. I know they sell them at Costco. I went there today buying snacks for these ink grates. <laughs> Pat, what report card grade do you give the snacks I bought? C plus? D plus. Okay. How about you, Mike? Like I didn't say go through. What is this? It's suddenly a a B a B plus from Mike. So Pat gave a D plus. Mike gives a B plus. How about you, Dudio? Man, they're pumped up about this trail mix. And A. All right. I like Dudio's. I like the cut of his jib. Dudio, but but they're really excited. I got, I bought this cheapo trail mix. Right, all it is is some some off-brand M and M's thrown in with some some raisins and peanuts. These guys are all pumped for this new trail mix. What trail? Are, what trail do people eat things where it's raisins, peanuts, and M and M's? What trail? The trail to theater eighteen at the movie theater. <laughs> right. You know, one of the only things I remember from that movie Whiplash was when. Uh... Uh, what's his name? Paul Reiser puts the uh, raisinets in the popcorn. Wait, I forgot, even forgot. Paul Reiser was in Whiplash. Was he play? He played his dad, right? Yeah. Do you imagine Paul Reiser? I don't know you got uh, 
you got him and uh, him at one end and J. Jonah Jameson screaming at you at the other end. I know. So, so what, what's going on tonight, Julian? I had uh, one for the uh, topic. It's a little belated, but the topic? first R-rated movie. Sure. What's that now? I've ever seen. I saw A Time to Kill in theaters. A Time to... Wow, that's a racy one. A, yeah. a John Grisham thriller. Yeah, I was uh, eight years old. Okay. So you saw A Time to Kill as an eight-year-old. Yeah. Uh, my mom took us and We were on vacation in San Diego, and my mom took us in there. The first R-rated the movie heat. you saw. Yeah. Yeah, boy, that's a that's a that's a thriller, huh? Yeah, riveting stuff for an eight year old. Yeah, a, cor- a courtroom drama. <laughs> yeah, as only Grisham can do. All right, you see any movies? You see Mission Impossible? I did. I saw it yesterday. Okay, what do you think? What a scale of one to ten? What do you give it? Uh, I gotta give it a, uh, I, like a six or a seven. My experience was, um, tainted. You're as dumb as can be. Why why a six or a seven? Why? Well, I, I, I need to watch it again because I had an older couple who was talking the entire movie behind me. Then you get up and move. Or you move them. There's a packed theater. So then you tell them to, you tell them to get out. You know what you do? You, 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 how, how can you go see that movie? And they're flapping their gums. Um, they were in front of you or behind you? Behind me. You should have turned around and you say, Hey, I turned around once. Shut your bleeping mouth. If I have to turn around again, you're both going to be in the hospital. And then you, then you turn around and watch the movie, right? That's yeah, how you should have handled like a- Henry Cable move. Hey. I turned around once. Because you're flapping your gums. Zip them. If I turn around again, we both end up in the hospital. Six or I a think seven. they get the hand. Six or a seven. It was a great movie. I loved it. I loved I love all those Mission Impossible movies. It was the first one I'd seen since Ghost Protocol, so I guess I've only missed one. You missed one, yeah. Yeah. Were you able to hang with the plot? Uh, yeah, I, I got the Of idea course you were! <laughs> that was a trick question. You can't be lost watching one of these movies. All right, you nauseate me. Get off my phone. Best show, hi. Hey, Tom. This is Alex in Oklahoma City. Alex in Oklahoma City. What's up, Alex? Nothing. I saw Mamma Mia this week. How are the second Mamma Mia? Mamma Mia 2. Here we was go again. Really good. It shares in it. What's For a it? second, it's, it made me feel like Pacific Rim made me feel. All right. That, well, that begs the question how did Pacific Rim make you feel? I don't know. The the feeling I left the theater with was, I don't know if what I just watched made any sense, but I do know that I loved everything that happened in it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. What was the best song in it? 
I mean, I think Super Trooper. That's a good one. Yeah. One of the uh, Ani Freed uh, sung hits. She also sang which huge ABBA hit? Say it. You can say uh, it. I don't know. Knowing me, knowing you. Oh, okay. Come on. I don't know. Now look, but now you I'm, do. I'm not very... Now you do. Now you do, though. I, I only mean... know it from Alan Partridge. Yeah, well, you can learn. That. It doesn't matter what gets you started, my friend. Yeah. Now the, now the rest is up to you, just like my... My guy Bono said, remember when he was just like, all I got is this red guitar, three chords and the truth. I don't know why I'm making him sound like that. Then he's like, the rest is up to you. You know what I would have said at that point? Um, Hmm. Hey, I bought a a t-shirt and a program, uh, but I bought them before he did that dumb rap uh, on stage. Is there any way to get my money back? I didn't know. To be fair... To myself, I understand that you guys might say there's no refunds on things like this. But when I bought them, I did not think he was going to say the dumbest thing I've ever heard (laughs) on stage. Um, Can I get like 80% of my money back? I'll take a loss on this. I will take a loss. I just don't want to leave here holding on to merchandise that features the guy who said the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life on stage. All I got is this red guitar, three chords, and the truth. All I got is this red guitar. The rest is up to you. Windbag. The worst. Thanks, buddy. Best show, hi. Hello, Show. Hi. Hi. Hi, Tom. This is Molly calling from Tucson, Arizona. Molly from Tucson, Arizona. What's going on tonight, Molly? Well, I have a, a first concert story to tell you. It's It was definitely like a, a, a story. Um, so I'm a little nervous. Um, well, look, and my first, brother listens to the show, and so he's going to get embarrassed when I tell him the story because he all, was there at the well, concert. First of all, Molly, you relax. I'm, uh, I'm on your side. I'm on your side, Molly. Oh, You're already you, doing great. And the, the, you don't worry about your brother. Look, he's embarrassed you a hundred different ways at this by this point <laughs> in your life. So you embarrass, you embarrass him once with his own actions. He can take it. Oh yeah, no, he's gonna love it. Um, so my my very first concert was Bell and Sebastian, and I was just obsessed with Bell and Sebastian in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I lived in Southern California, and we, with my brother and a friend of ours, drove up to Berkeley, California, to see the concert. And um, now, around what year might this have been? Do you know, Molly? Like two thousand, early two thousand. Okay. And did they do what? What was the song? What song? Okay, so you're driving up. You're driving up to see them. Mm-hmm. We get there kind of early, so my brother and my friend in the hotel room decide to, you know, um, yeah. right? box the room, basically. Yeah. yeah. They're yep. going to get and it's my first experience with yeah. hot. I'm oh, right. definitely so. not. Yep. And so uh, we leave the room, we go to the concert, and I'm super dizzy. 
Yeah. Like super duper dizzy. And so I trip and fall and I scrape both my knees wide open. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, we go with a standing concert. So we go, we're standing there and I'm, I'm listening to the opening act and it's Bright Eyes, who I just, not a fan of Bright Eyes. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there just, just willing the minutes to go by, like in so much pain thinking, just gotta get through Bright Eyes, gotta get through Bright Eyes. And, uh, then the Bell and Sebastian come on, and it's a great concert. It's super fun, um, except for one thing. Bell and Sebastian, they they ended up being really grumpy. <laughs> they were in a crabby mood. They were in a crabby mood. They um they had some sort of summer summer thing going along with their tour that was a scavenger hunt, and they like asked the audience if they did the scavenger hunt, and nobody responded, and they were just really really crabby about it, and. Hold hold on. Um, Look, this is what I'm going to say. If Bell and Sebastian... Look, mathematically, the odds are there's 17 people in the band, so mathematically, the odds are one of them is listening to this. (laughs) So, you guys are are crabby because people... What city was it? Berkeley? Berkeley, California. Yeah, so it's like... They didn't follow the scavenger hunt you put together. You know what they? You know what they did do though? They bought tickets to the thing. That's not <laughs> enough of a commitment to you guys. They had to go do a scavenger hunt all day before for you guys to feel satisfied that they that that, that they deserve to be in your presence. I don't get it. Look, and and uh, I know uh, those guys. Uh, uh, by all accounts, they seem like an uh, all right sort, that band. But if they're crabby about a scavenger hunt that didn't go their way, that's on them. That's on them. That's I a, agree, Tommy. That's a, that's a, they, they, their rep's been dinged in my book. <laughs> Did they do that one song? Rooty, tooty, fresh and fruity. <laughs> Did they do that one? No, they didn't. Yeah, okay. Um, look, I'm sorry you had a, a, a time. First of all, your brother's out of bounds hotboxing the hotel room. You should have called the front desk and had him jailed, right? <laughs> you did drag me to the concert. I was very excited. No. I still had a really good time despite everything, despite the bloody knees. Yeah, now you're bleeding all over the place. You got these scraped up knees, cause you, cause you're you're high as a kite now at this Bell and Sebastian <laughs> show. You don't know what's going on. So tonight I say thumbs down, one thumbs one thumb down to Bell and Sebastian for being crabby about the uh, uh, scavenger hunt. Two thumbs down to your brother. Oh, but he introduced me to that show, and it's my favorite. Yeah. So. Well, look, you just can't hotbox your little sister and and all the friends. Right? <laughs> Tighten it up, bro. Right? What's your I'll, brother? I'll well, I'm, like, I'm not even going to say his name because I, I don't want to. I want to promote him. He's in the penalty box this week for what he did to my friend Molly. <laughs> well, thank you, Tommy, for listening to my story. Well, you, you have a grand evening. You too. Bye-bye.
Fruity tooty, fresh and fruity, summertime is here. You digging into that, uh, into the, uh, uh, the trail mix, Mike? Right? Don't, don't, don't eat too much trail mix. Pizza's coming. I don't want you to fill up on trail mix. What am I doing now? What am I run, running a, a camp now? Don't fill up on trail mix. There's pizza coming. sick. It's a sick world. Sick world. But you know what? We all love it, don't we? Every bit of it. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Oh, yeah. Last day of July here in 2018, Best Show. As we move on through the year, having a grand old time and... Yeah, fun times. I'm not going to put them down. Best show, hi. Hey, Tom, how's it going? Good, good. To whom am I speaking? This is Chaz in Portland. Chaz in Portland, what's going on? Uh, well, since since people are still chatting about uh, their first concert experience, I wanted to piggyback on that and share mine with you and, and see if maybe it was even... Uh, deserving of a of an impression, a Tom impression. Let's hear. Let's hear. What is that? Oh well, back in 1984, my uh, grandmother took me to my first concert, and I was uh, blessed enough to see Chubby Checker. Ah, um, the master. Uh, yep, yeah. Where was this? Where was this? What city was this show in? This was in Lafayette, Louisiana. It was in an outdoor like football stadium. Okay, and was it packed? It was it was kind of like half packed. It was one of those review shows, so they had the Platters is the only other one I remember. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple of oldies acts, but Chubby yeah. Chubby was the. Uh, so they uh, all come the out there like oh bo na 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 get a job right. Yeah, pretty much. And finally, it's like I thought it was great. I was like rock and roll is awesome. Then it's like ladies and gentlemen. Taking to the stage next, the one and only rock and roll mother, like, (laughs) chubby bleeping checker, right? (laughs) Yeah. And he comes out. Do you remember, did he tease the, I bet you he teased the twist where he he would would start up and be like, come on, baby. Right? He would just start to be like. Let's do, not yet, not yet. <laughs> First, I want to play something from my new album. Ugh. What, what, what is his later work besides, like, Twist Again? I know he had all the Twist spinoffs, but did he just try doing dance songs for the rest of his days? This one's from my new album. Right? 
84, what would he be singing about back then, right? We were singing. Whoa, chubby chat! Whoa, whoa, what was going on in '84? Like, uh, like what? Uh, like in my mind, it was like Ghostbusters and Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Would he just be doing something about Iran Contra or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. You got to what? The Iran Contra scandal. <laughs> it's going on all summer. You got Oliver North and Ford. I would have been into it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, oh, that's I ended a up, great I went, I went and got the cassettes and everything. Mm-hmm. So you went to the, the merch the table and you got cassettes. Yeah, the best of Chubby Checker. <laughs> yeah. Side one, the twist. <laughs> Side <laughs> two, let's twist again. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. But look, it made such a huge mark on your life. You're a checker. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a seminal moment. Of, you know, my first live performance. It was a legend. Yeah. And you've been chasing it ever since. And no one can live up to what Chubby Checker did that one night. Well, you know, you kind of blew my mind when you, like, explained how he took his name from Fats Domino. Yeah. I, that had never even occurred to me in my life. And, and you opened up my consciousness with that. Yeah. Well, just think about it, right? Fats Domino is around. He's writing these songs and he's playing this piano. And suddenly here comes this guy, calls himself Chubby Checker. <laughs> Just picture... What did you say? What, what would it be now? Picture the first time Fats Domino heard that there was a guy named Chubby Checker. <laughs> and he must have been like, what? No, this is a put-on. How popular is it? You gotta be kidding me. Chubby Checker... And, like, he goes and checks the record out. He's just like, that's the worst thing I ever heard in my life. Well, look. What, what would the 2018 Chubby Checker be? What would it be? Like, who would who would be the original who they would uh, jump on? Well, I think before you called him, like, uh, Flabby, it would be Flabby Tetris in 2018. Flabby Tetris. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He would be, um, right now they'd call him uh, Husky Fortnite. <laughs> right? He'd be huge. <laughs> like if he put out a mixtape, it would be, that would be huge. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Husky Fortnite. <laughs> and look, he I say perform- that. He'd, uh, all I those say- NBA players love Fortnite. He could, he could be at the All-Star game. Look, I do a voice on Fortnite, my friend. Oh. Yeah, if you've ever been lucky enough to hear the DJ on Fortnite. Oh, I haven't been so lucky. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. You'll get there someday. I'll put it on my list. Look, I haven't played 30 seconds of that thing. Did you ever get into video games, like as an adult, besides, you know, when you were a kid? I like the games. I like the... uh I have a Nintendo Switch now, right? Yeah. But I like to just play Street Fighter. Who's your favorite uh, character? I'll give or you one hint. Whatever it is. I'll give you one hint. Hadouken. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Hadouken. Hadouken. <laughs> it's like Chubby Checker doing it. Hey, everybody, my new hit, Street Fighter. 
Well, they put they put Quavo from Migos in the new NBA game, so they could conceivably you like put a chubby checker character, or they could put Flabby Tetris, yeah, Husky in the new uh, Street Fighter. I look forward to it. All right, my friend, have a great night. All right, Tom. Best show. Hi. Hey, Tom. It's Mel from Newbridge Muse. How's it going? Oh, Newbridge Muse. Very, uh, very fancy. What are you calling on a on a, a gold phone, Mel? <laughs> right. I guess I, I I should be. I I am thankful, sir, that you would call a uh, a regular Joe like myself. Oh, uh, very funny, very funny. <laughs> I tell you, I wish I was at home right now. You know, just sitting on the back deck and. Sipping some nice wine and listening to the best show. Unfortunately, I'm I'm at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing with work. Some sometimes you don't get to stop till it's done. It's true. It's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, same old boring stuff. Um, yeah. Oh. Hey, um, I wanted to ask you about this. I, I didn't see you on this animation episode of uh, CNN's uh, History of Comedy. Which is a real shame because I, I would love to have heard you over explain why animation is funny. <laughs> oh, this the the show, that's the series that's on uh, CNN now, where it's a, it's a multi multi uh, episode uh, show that's kind of like summing up the the entirety of comedy. It's the second second edition of it, or whatever you call it, the second series. Right, right, yeah. And you mean yeah. to just see me kind of pontificating about animation? Oh yeah, in such a way that you know it actually it actually makes you think less of, of animation. Sure, it makes you think it's less funny than it is. Makes it vaguely like, what joyless. would you say? Yeah, what would you say if you were to, if you were to, to do that? Like, I'd probably be like, well, you know, uh, I mean, the beauty of animation is uh, when you when it you come down to it is. Uh, you can build worlds. It's a chance to build an entire world, and you don't need to build sets to build a whole world. And really, your your only limitation is your imagination. Your own imagination is really the only limitation you're faced with. And you, you know you don't have to worry about the actors uh, holding out for a contract dispute, or if they if they uh, sprain their ankle. You don't have to. <laughs> oh my God! Please stop. I mean, if you think oh. about it, these the animation oh, no. really is um, goes back to the cave drawings. <laughs> oh, it's really just an extension of that. It's just a a part of the same timeline. Can you can you also work in the phrase "we're storytellers"? I mean. If you're lucky enough to get to play in this sandbox, oh no, it's really just a chance. Because when it comes down to it, we are just storytellers. We just like to tell stories. Again, it's it's not unlike the cave drawings. Those, I just I just broke two pencils in my hand. Uh huh. So annoyed. You didn't like that, huh? No. Yeah. Oh my god! And that pompous voice I'm doing. Yeah, it sucks. 
<laughs> hey, speaking of voices. Yeah, Mel. This is interesting. I was uh, I was given both uh, book and audiobook versions of that Springsteen memoir that came out. Gosh, was that two years ago now? I think two yeah, years ago this thing came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I do a lot of driving, you know, and, and so I I went straight to the audio version, uh, and I've been listening to that almost every day during during my drives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you like it? Yeah. I do, I do. He's, um, you know, I, obviously he, he's a great writer, and he's such a. I, I'll, I'll use, I'll use, I'll use your phrase. He's a great storyteller, mm-hmm. um, and he's. I love the stories about growing up in New Jersey. You know, they're super entertaining and uh, really funny. But there's one thing that really kind of caught me by surprise as I was listening to it, and that's how similar. Bruce Springsteen's reading voice is to that weird accent that Joe Namath has. Oh yeah, Joe Namath. Which has, I've heard you do. I've heard you do. It's a. Uh, it's because he grew up in in Western Pennsylvania, right? And then went to school in Alabama, right? And then went to New York City and tried to sound like a. Like a like a like a, a cosmopolitan kind of guy. Oh my god! Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty convoluted uh, mm. accent there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty. Uh, it's it's pretty unique. You know what's interesting? What's that? Joe Namath. Jay, Joe Namath has his own memoir coming out. I think it's in October. That's right. Yes. And. I don't know. It's, it's making me kind of, kind of fantasize about like what it would be like if, if Joe Namath and Bruce Springsteen were both doing an an in store appearance at you know at Barnes and Noble or something like that. What uh-huh. that would be like if if like each guy, each guy read a little bit from his own book, and and they kind of went back and forth. Sure. That would be interesting. I mean, I I don't know. Uh, I I know I can try a, a my Joe uh, to do a Joe Namath. Uh, would you do it? I love when you do it. Would you do it, please? Sure, like in just what he would be saying from his book. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he probably. I'm sure he talks about his college days when he would say just like, uh, you know, when I was playing for Alabama. And uh, Crimson Tide, uh, that team demanded a complete, uh, complete loyalty. Uh, Coach uh, Coach Schnellenberger, <laughs> Coach Schnell, I think it was Schnellenberger, right? <laughs> had a plan that I would be the uh, leading quarterback in all of college football. That's great. Now I'm nowhere as good. I'm 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 nowhere as good an accent guy as you. But uh, so here here's Bruce now. Mm-hmm. The motifs were rounded out by Vinnie Roslin, a spirited, charismatic bass player. He lent the motifs a degree of accessibility. He played a Danny Electro Longhorn bass, dangling at knee level, and his shoulder-length hair covered his face till. In one moment, he'd throw it back 
revealing a bright smile and the joy he was getting out of playing music. <laughs> now you do yours. Uh, do one more. Okay. Well, I, uh, when uh, Super Bowl three was uh, coming up and the New York Jets were ready to play the uh, Baltimore Colts, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of pressure on us because nobody believed we could win the game. But I knew we could win, and I guaranteed that we would win Super Bowl three. Vinny would later join me in Steel, steel Mill. Jo- Johnny Lewandowski was their slick back, blonde-haired drummer, a masterful, uh, as masterful on his instrument as Ray was on his guitar. Johnny set the bar high for drumming in Dino Danelli's Rascals style. It's <laughs> pretty fun, right? Yeah, that's weird. It's, it's, it would be weird if the two of them promoted their books. It's those L's. Yeah, they Danelli. Really- Ride those L's. Super Bowl. Super Coach, Bowl. Coach Schnellenberger. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, Mel, speaking of voices, um, mm-hmm. I, I think I kind of recognize your voice from, from a very specific place. You do? Uh huh. You're, you're not the Mel of Mel's pillow fame, are you? Please give me your head. Oh my God! It is you. <laughs> yeah, Mel. How about that? For people at your service. Yeah, Mel's pillow. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this is not a national thing, but for people in this who aren't in this area, people who are in this area are flipping out right now. I'm sure. <laughs> but people who don't know, you can't watch TV like local TV for more than five minutes. Or even listen on the radio without hearing one of your commercials, uh, for, uh, Mel's Pillow, which is your, the pillow you, you make. And the commercials all mm-hmm. feature you. Well, Tom, we really do have a, a very strong marketing team and it, it's all teamwork and the word is certainly getting out there. And, uh, to add on to what you said, we may be local right now, but you wait until Two years from now, we're going to be way national. We're very excited about everything. For Mel's Pillow. Yeah, and if, if people are placing or not placing the voice, it's you're the guy who does the – you have that signature mustache in the right. – which uh, is kind of – Well, you know, technically it's, it, it's not a mustache, Tom. It's a dread stash. It's a what? A dread stash. A dread stash. Yes. That's what why it, it's so thick. It's not like a normal mustache. Oh wait! So the, it's like two dread, like dreadlocks. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well. I, I dread. I I dread. From far away, it looks just like a thick handlebar mustache, but it's actually both sides of it are are severely dreaded before mm-hmm. uh, you know the wax is applied, and that that gets the the real uh, loop going at each end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's not, it's, I could, it makes me a little nauseous, but that's not, that's neither here nor there. 
Well, I, I, I do have some problems with that, too, where people, I'll be honest, sometimes it's not for everybody. It's not a look that everyone likes, and some people are turned off. And that's why when I go out to somewhere where I know children or church people will be, I have my little, um, my little um, dread stash pouches. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, because they're heavy, because they're dreaded, I have to have, I have to wear like a, uh, it's almost like a beanie, and then attached to the beanie on each side is a, is like a heavy duty string, and that attaches to a pouch, and that's, I, I put one side of the dread stash, uh, in, in that pouch, and then the other side of the dread stash in the other pouch. Okay. Well, you have, you, you have a system worked out, and, uh. I do. I do. You know, um, Mal, I just gotta say, I can say, uh, from personal experience, mm-hmm. uh, I can talk about, uh, Mel's pillow. Cause I, uh, am actually, I have one. I'm actually using it right now in, uh, <gasps> as I sit in this chair in the studio. It really helps with back support for my lower you put, back. You put it behind you. That, mm-hmm. that, oh my yeah. God. That's, that makes me so happy to hear. Well, I'm, that's, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. You know, because that, that's the reason I started Mel's Pillow, you know, I, I want to help people. And I, I, I see and talk to so many people who, who don't get a good night's sleep because they've, they've hurt their necks on these bad pillows that are either too hard or too soft. And just to, to know that my pillow has made a difference in your life, especially, and the lives of others, it, it's, it's just the greatest feeling ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this pillow has definitely made my, uh, my, me feel like my back feel a whole lot better. Um, and I know, I know I'm not alone with that. I know a bunch of people who've been helped by, by your pillow, Mel's pillow. Um, that's just, that's just the greatest thing. And, you know, uh, if I could get serious and, uh, I know it's a fun show, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm 56 and I, to be honest, I wasted most of my life just in these boring jobs that I had no connection to. I was just getting a paycheck, you know, and, and, um, you know, I, I thought that was kind of it for me. And then, and then my pillow came along, you know, my, uh, and, um, just to be able to to uh, make something like that and and have it help people and uh, you know it's just um, I don't know I get I, I get really choked up thinking mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. it you know and I feel like um, sure. I really do think Mel's pillow is, is why I was put on Earth you know to give it to people to sell it to people and at a reasonable price and. Uh, you know, that's, sure. that's why I'm here. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, that's, it, it, that sounds very true. Hey, Mel, can I actually ask you, um, while I, while I have you, can you say the, the tagline, the Mel's pillow tagline again, please? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Please give me your head. Uh huh. That's what I thought. See, that's, it's kind of confusing. But I thought that's what it was. Confusing. Mm-hmm. Please give me your head, as in, please put your head on my pillow. What's sure. I don't get. What's 
confusing. Well, I mean, in the print ads and like the billboards, and it's just like it always says, like in the text, like "Please give me your head." Is written in like white. But then the word your is always laid over like a top of a white pillow. So it kind of looks like, and I'm not going to, yeah. I guess I'm going to say, it looks like it says, please give me your head, but then subtract the word uh, your from it. I I still don't get it. Yeah, well, it's it's something in the thing I always notice, and it's also even on the radio ads. It's always like when you say the phrase, and then it's like your. It's like there's like a snoring sound. So it's over where the your is. So it's also the same thing. It's like you know, give me your, you know, give, give me your head. But then the word your is like missing. Like you can't hear well, it's covered up by a story because the person's getting such a great night's sleep. Yeah. I mean, look. This, I, st- I still don't get is, what you're not, saying. I don't... It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's just like the way it seems phrased, it seems like it's trying to be like like erotic. Like you're trying to make it sound. You know, All right. Let me write it out. Please. Yeah. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, you thought it meant, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh, right, right. I mean, it's just it's just uh, it's the kind of thing that you 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 see it, and it's like I thought it was meant to be just like kind of like a like a like a secret joke kind of thing and my friends and I all talk about the like the secret joke of it and we laugh about it too and you know it really comes down to it's just like I thought I thought it was like a funny thing because it definitely makes me and my friends crack up you and your friends joke about my pillow what's that you and your friends yeah, yeah. You, la- you laugh it up about my pillow? Well, we're not laughing it up about the, the 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 It's not about the pillow really. I mean, it's just about the marketing of the thing when you you see the catchphrase and then it's like what the Ah. Oh. Ooh, that's weird. I just got like a weird jolt. Like a hmm. shock. Hmm. Oh, it just happened to. Oh my God! What is this? it's? It's like, hold on. There is no like cable here. I'm not grounding anything. What is this? This it's just, but it hurts. Ow. Oh, did it hurt? Yeah, it did hurt. Huh. All right. Does this hurt less? Yeah, it just, yeah, I just got another shock, but that was like, it was less than the first two. Wait, Mel, are uh-huh. you, are you giving me these shocks through the pillow? Huh, well, now you know how I felt when I heard you and your, your, your fun buddies were laughing at me and Mel's pillow. 
Looks like you learned a hard lesson tonight, huh? Oh, hold on. I learned a hard lesson tonight? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that what? Not to laugh about an, a pillow ad that seems like it's deliberately dirty. So, so you sh- wait, are all the pillows wired like this? Like, are you, can you shock other people? Well, only those who deserve it. You know, I can monitor their conversations via a uh, tiny video camera and microphone, which is embedded in, in each pillow. And I'll tell you, if, if someone angers me or, or, or disrespects me as, as you've done, then uh, zap. Ow! Oh, you just did it again. Mel? Oh, no. Oh, no. What? Oh, great. You got me so worked up that I I woke up the test subject. The test subject? Yes! What test subject? Well, I told you I was at work, right? Uh-huh. I'm doing a sleep study, and the subject that I'm monitoring, he, he just bolted up and he started looking all around the room, and he would have seen me if I hadn't hid under this dresser. If you hadn't hid on, wait, why are you hiding? If you're, I mean, if he signed up for a sleep study, he knows he's signing up that so that you could be observing him and watching him, right? Like he has well, to define, know. He, define no. Uh huh. That he has to know it. It's, I mean, okay. Is he aware that you're watching him sleep? Well, define aware. Wait a minute. You said, what are you hiding? You're under a dresser. Yes. What's What kind of sleep lab has a dresser in it? Um. Hey, hold, hold on. Mel? Are you, uh, are you actually in this guy's house? Define in. Okay, I'm not going to keep defining different words. I'm not playing with along with you anymore with this. Wait, oh, okay. hey, Mel. Yes? Be truthful. Are you, you're the Newbridge sleep peeper. The Newbridge what? The Newbridge sleep peeper. There's this big article the other day about this guy. It was a big article in the Newbridge Republican Herald Times Democrat about this pervert that climbs into people's houses and just watches them sleep. What? That, that is sick. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't know anything about that. What I do know is that you can't get accurate sleep readings if the person knows you're watching them. Okay, that's the big failure of these sleep studies. That's why I have to do all my research in the wild. Uh, this is very upsetting. It's very disturbing. And it's also very illegal and, cr- and criminal, you know. But you know, I, I guess one positive is that you're you're, you know, based on what you're, you're not the sleep peeper. Oh, I am. Wait, you are. Yes. You're the new. You're the Newbridge sleep peeper. Wait, he hung up. Great. Well, guy from Mel's pillow. I don't know. That is. Uh, that is upsetting. You know, you know what the most upsetting part of, about that whole thing is that I guess, I guess the Newbridge sleep peeper 
not only is Mel the guy, but I guess he's going into people's bedrooms and staring at them while while lugging around that huge Springsteen book because he was quote he was reading from it. That is very strange. Beshow, hi. Hello. Yes, hi. Welcome. Hi there. Uh, I've got a story about uh, like my first concert experience. I don't want to talk. Well, see, this is what happens. Let me just say this. And look, God bless you. I'm not going to tell you not to talk about anything. But let me just say this. Somebody, some one guy calls and goes, "Hey, yeah, I want to talk about the topic from uh, three weeks ago." And then everybody's like, oh, that's the topic we're talking about. No, it's like one guy jumped the. <laughs> but look, for you, my friend, what was your first concert? So uh, I grew up in Australia where not many bands really made it out there. And uh, I was I was very interested in this girl. I was about 14 and she wanted to go see My Chemical Romance. So I went and saw My Chemical Romance. And I was this asthmatic little kid who was trying to impress this girl and could barely stand and nearly passed out in this, like, incredibly stuffy, incredibly hot building. And it was, it was, it was a nightmare. Seeing My Chemical Romance, the pride of New Jersey. Yes. Right? Yes. The, the, The very uplifting pride of New Jersey. And where are you from? I grew up in Australia, but the accent is gone. So you were seeing them in Australia? Yeah. So they went to the other side of the globe? Yep. And you saw them and you, you, you got all weird. You got a lightheaded. Got all lightheaded, and I remember also, like, she wasn't giving me any time of day. Like, she could see my little nerd, nerd face was not able to cope with it. So I remember in a huff. Not soon after that, going and seeing um, the band Plus 44, who were formed when Blink-182 broke up, and in a huff being like, I'm just going to tell people this is my first concert, because this is way cooler. And then, yeah, that's not any better. Look, it's your first concert. Who cares? You saw Blink-182 or whatever that other thing is, was it? <laughs> Plus 44. Plus 44. I remember that. <laughs> They were they were not great live, and also no one remembers them, and it's probably actually way worse of a show than the My Chemical Romance one. I was just even a weird snob thinking... Uh, I can't talk about this anymore. This guy. This guy's getting into what's he writing a 33 and a third book about uh, My Chemical Romance. Best show, hi. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. To whom am I speaking? This is Eric in West Hollywood. How are you? I'm well. Eric in West Hollywood. What's up tonight in West Hollywood? Uh, not too much. Uh, I'm actually very excited uh, that Michael Kupperman will be in studio later. Uh-huh. Um, yes, he will. Matter of minutes. Oh, that's exciting. I, uh, I have uh, Mark Twain's autobiography in front of me. Mm. So good. Maybe he'll give you an over-the-air uh, autograph. Oh, that would be awesome. Like he'll tell you how uh, to move your hand with a pen. You'll put <laughs> a pen in your hand and he'll tell you what to do with your hand. I'll or do that. it. We'll see. So what, what else is going on, Chief? 
Well, uh, I actually had a question for you. Um, I wanted to know, uh, I'm in comics myself, and I wanted to know if I could draw you into a comic that I'm writing. No, you can't. Okay. Sure, of course. Wait, wait, before I say sure, what is the comic? It's not, it's not like a smut comic or anything. It's a, uh, it's a comic about Shakespeare fighting crime, and it's written in iambic pentameter. And it's on Kickstarter for the next 72 hours, so I'm, uh, I'm just hoping to, uh, to put you in there if, uh, if you'd have me. Is it gonna make its goal? I hope so. Uh, we're, uh, about $8,000 away, and, uh, yeah, I, I think we can make it if, if, uh, if we push real hard. Yeah, let's see. What is it called now? No Holds Barred, the first folio, B-A-R-D. There it is. Yeah, let's see. Thank you. Look. You got some work to do. <laughs> A little bit. Three days. Nine grand. Three days. Mike, write this guy a check. Oh, man. Cheap. What if Mike just said... What if Mike just said... All right, you check, right? I would, I definitely put him in it as a major role. Yeah. Well, would he be moaning about the, uh, the lack of applesauce? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? And let me just say this. First of all, if I don't say this once a show that he's got this dumb AP com. Uh, it's his, it's his dumb, uh, store he has set up and he sells all this dumb stuff. Uh, shirts, headshots, and people are doing the AP Mike headshot challenge where they take their AP Mike headshot and put it in a weird place and then take a picture of it. They're doing it. It's the latest, it's like Tide Pods. It's the new Tide Pods. And he's got a calendar coming soon. Look out for the AP Mike calendar. Can you handle that, Eric? Uh, yeah, I sure can. All right, well, look, best of luck to you with your Kickstarter, my friend. Thank you so much. I, I... Okay, enough, though. What am I? Mike? Is Michael Kupperman here? Mike, can you ask Pat to bring him in? And also, did, did the pizza show up? Did you did you load up too much on the on trail mix? You got a stomach ache. <gasps> How are you? Look who it is. As I live and breathe, I can't believe it. Pat D plus, huh? You give the snacks. What did you say? I said B plus. B plus, okay. Oh, dude, you'll give it an A, though. He gave the snacks an A. Mike likes the trail. Did Mike, is, is there any trail mix left? He hasn't opened it yet. And the other thing I know, the other thing I'm just going to say is leaving the things open is one thing that I'm not nuts about. But the thing that truly drives me nuts is when stuff walks. Oh, wow. Right? When it walks. These are not snacks. This is not, this is not the store. 
Like, it's not just like, oh, boy, I'd love to eat some of this t- tomorrow. You don't bring it home. We, you, it's, it's for eating on these premises. The only thing we take home is leftover pizza. You hear that, Dudio? You hear that? And this is a message for all three of you. If I catch you stealing snacks, and it's stealing. If you leave with snacks, look, if you open a bag of something and you leave with it, because it's like a single serving bag, you didn't finish it. Although, is that really a problem for this, uh, this group of, of, uh, vultures? They're finishing the things they, uh, they're not, oh boy, I couldn't make it through this bag of cheat, this is a mini bag of Cheetos. They're finishing them. It's not a problem. But I'm telling you, if I catch anything, if I see uh, kind bars in your pockets, <laughs> or if I see cans of Kirkland Light in your gym bag, you're, you're, you're gonna face some music. And that goes for all three. You hear that, Mike? Yeah. Even for you. I know you, I know you, you think you're the golden boy, Mike. Cause you know, you know, you think I like you better than the other two guys. I don't. I just know you, you, you we've been together a long time. So we have kind of like a, a, a and I, and look, Mike, I will say this. These up, what, walk leaves the door open? Oh. Okay, good. I will say this, Mike. You remember this. These other two guys like to make you feel bad. But you remember this, and they're not fit to carry your jock. Pat and Dudio, they're not fit to carry your jock, right? Yeah. Now, what's available at apmike.bandcamp.com? Is he still the headshots up there? Yeah, still available. Mm-hmm. Shirts? Shirts are still the downloads are still available? Still when are we looking at this calendar coming out? Yeah, prime calendar, prime, prime 2019 calendar buying, August. What are you getting people who, uh, are you getting the worry warts with that one? They're worried you're going to run out? Oh boy, I better get my 2019 calendar squared away. Now, Mike, this is what you do. I'm, I'm serious. The calendars from August, you don't sell a single calendar from August until November unless they want to join the Platinum Circle, right? (laughs) The AP Mike Platinum Circle gets the calendars early. Just charge double for them. And look, I want to say this to the listeners. Of course you should support Mike's stuff. Buy the dumb headshot. Take a picture of it. Jam it in a urinal. I don't care. Just take a picture. You send it and maybe you'll win something. Who knows? But make sure you're giving to the Patreon first. I don't want to hear anybody. Oh, I couldn't uh, donate to the uh, Patreon. I, was, I spent too much over at AP Mike's Bandcamp store. Patreon.com slash the best show. And there's a new show up. We put bonus content that's only available for, for Patreon subscribers. Like there's a new show. Mike and I have a new show called 
The Sad Mirage. And it's a hit. People like it, huh, Mike? They like it. It's just me and you talking, just, just talking about life. I'm telling you, Michael, it's the saddest thing you ever heard in your life. The two of us. I almost, almost left here and just walked into the ocean. I almost just, and also, if you're walking into the ocean, leave your keys on top of your car. At least, at least, uh, don't fry out the car. Then somebody's got to go buy it, pay like $300 for a new set of, especially these new car keys. That's $300. So you didn't like the pizza, Mike? This sauce. <laughs> did you have a slice, Michael Kupperman? I did. I had a slice. Did you enjoy the pizza? Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. I tell you, you can't win with this group out right here. Mike, all right, show, you can shut the door now, Pat. Mike <laughs> has his, he, you know his favorite pizza is like the pizza you'd get when you were in the cafeteria in middle school. Not the pizza that a kid currently would get. like right. a, Like probably a half-decent pizza. Like, there's like Elio's pizza that you would get back then when you yeah. were in school at least the school i went to i don't know what fancy schmancy school you were in oh we had the best pizza you just had the best <laughs> pizza now michael cup first of all michael Cupperman, thank you for coming in oh my pleasure just slide that mic a little closer to yes. you just a little closer there you go okay perfect now you true or false can draw i think Think it's true? It's true. Ugh, this guy runs it. No, by all means, by all means, I'm trying to get it. Don't, don't let me get a rhythm going with my guests before you run in your plugs. Yeah. First question, door burst. So you think Kramer was here? The door, Kramer didn't fl- fling the door open as hard as you just did to walk in a post-it note with the plugs. Now I'm not reading them. Now I'm not reading them. You, dude, if you want this plug read, you got to go to my apmike.bandcamp.com and buy a headshot. No, even I wouldn't do that to you. Um, where were we? What were we talking about? You can you draw a little? I can draw. You a can little. draw. No, you can draw a lot. You're oh. you you are. I'm going to say this. You, Michael Kupperman are responsible for some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen in my life. I'm not kidding. The stuff you've done over the years is literally the best. The best! Oh, thank you. You're very kind. But now, you have stepped your game up. To where, instead of drawing pictures of Roger Daltrey, <laughs> which is still maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen, is Roger Daltrey talking about Roger. It just, but you did this new book, All the Answers, and you turned the 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 spotlight onto yourself. You were usually it's. You're, you're, you're exploring this, you're, you're, you're goofing around with that. But this is a different side of things. You, this is a, this is a real life story of, of you and your life and your life by way of your father's life. 
and your mother's life. And it's, it's, I, I really, I was blown away by what you achieved with this book. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because it really is, it really is, a, the, look, I could only imagine what it takes to say, I'm going to tell the story of my father's life and his not, his not easy, not, not very easy life, a very hard life and very public life that he was not forthcoming about. But for you to, to, to find a way to tell that where it was just, but it was from your perspective and there's so much clearly it's a mystery to you. Like you're, you're unveiling and, and unraveling the myst- the mystery that your own father had carried his whole life. And when did you first, because, because I guess it, in a nutshell, when your father was a young boy, he was, he was like one of the, the whiz kids, like the, the, on the forties. Right. Quiz kids. Yeah. Like the game show circuit. What was the name of the show again? Quiz kids. Quiz kid. Quiz kids. And he was one of the kids on the show who could answer, could solve math problems and just do the stuff off the top of his head. And it, he was literally a national phenomenon. Yeah, he was a household word for a while. That people knew when they would see your dad, that he was almost just like a reference point for, for different comedians and authors, that they would just, they would weave him as a, a point of, of, of reference for the time period and for the type of kid that he represented. Yes. And when did that, when, when were you first aware of that? That that's I, who your dad was? I was aware that he'd been famous, uh, pretty early on. There mm-hmm. were still, uh, you know, there were still echoes in the culture back then and you'd see references or people would sometimes ask me, are you related to? But, um, you know, since we were encouraged not to think about it, not to talk about it, you know, it kind of lost its meaning. And, and there's people, there are people who are famous for being on TV or whatever, and people don't have a lot of emotional attachment to them. Mm-hmm. Like they're there mm-hmm. and they may like them, but they don't have a huge, you know, thing going on with them. So it wasn't until I started to look at, uh, what my father had actually been and what he had actually meant to people that I could see that he had this huge emotional impact for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and it was a huge burden for him to carry. Yeah. Though, because it, and it's just, when you think about it, when you see child actors now and they're, and they're so messed up, these kids who are in the spotlight and kind of carrying the burden of, of everything that goes with, Everybody knowing who you are and staring at you as no matter as, as every little thing you do, it's it's like at least now there is some sort of awareness of what that could do to a kid. Whereas back then, it's also you're talking about it's Second World War, and maybe people are thinking of other things too. Right, and the idea of kind of. Caring about a kid's mental well-being, maybe not a concept that, that a whole lot of people are, it's not on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Sure, people's lives are being destroyed and disrupted right and left. And, uh, and, and, and his mom, your grandmother, yeah. 
was kind of living vicariously through him because she was the quintessential stage mom. Absolutely. Just kind of eating it up and shoving her kid wherever there's a, like a camera or a microphone, she would put him in front of it. Yeah. And he slowly realized, or probably not slowly, that this was not his... Like, when do you think he, when do you think it turned for him? Like, I think he was holding back the realization and then, you know, he'd been on TV, uh, radio for years and years and then he was on TV past the point where he was, you know, cute anymore or mm-hmm. appealing in any way. And he just was obviously not supposed to be a TV performer. And, uh, I think there was a point where he just finally had to stand up to her and, and say, I, enough. Mm-hmm. But, she never gave up. Even my mother said that when she finally went over to uh, to to her apartment after uh, they'd got married because she did not meet my mother. They did not meet before the wedding. Um, that she pulled out this scrapbook of Quiz Kids stuff and said, so how are we going to get his life back on track? Meaning, how are we going to get him back on TV? Uh-huh. Which. So that's all she's thinking about is just that he's a, he's a vehicle. Yeah. For her to live through. Yeah, and it's, and he was so obviously unsuited for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm convinced, I didn't put this in the book, but I'm convinced she had friendships with newspaper columnists and was slipping them blind items and things to try to, you know. Just keep his name. Yeah. As an active, an active concern. Um, and look, look, we have Michael Kupperman here. His book is called All the Answers and it's a graphic memoir. That's right. That's, and it's uh, who put this out now? Uh, it's Gallery Thirteen, which is a division of Simon and Schuster. And it's uh, I was excited. I it, you have a uh, a blurb here from Jake Tapper. I thought it was John. It was not John Taffer from Bar Rescue. No, I was, no. I looked at it quickly. I was just like, wait, John. And we just ripped on John Taffer at the beginning of the show. He's blurbing <laughs> Michael's book. Be like this book. Is like a crowded bar. Like a well-mixed drink. <laughs> I can do an imitation of him, but I have to be in another okay. room from the person I'm doing the imitation <laughs> oh, for Okay, to do it. All right. Well, when, maybe we could work up to that. <laughs> how long did it take you to do, to, to just, how long did it take you to be ready to tell this story? How about that? Is that, oh. that must have taken a while. Well, I mean, I started working on a book about him, my father, and, uh, I don't know when the point, you know, it took a while before I reached the point where I realized I have to be part of this book. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, when it changed for me, obviously, because writing about someone else's, you know, problems or pain is not as difficult as bringing yourself into it. So that, that, you know, it took about five years of work, this book, between the research, the writing, and then finally the the drawing. Mm -hmm. So, so you initially thought, I'll tell my father's story. Right. And at what point were, did you finally realize, like, how deep into it were you realized that the only way for me to tell this story is through my own, my own, in, my own, like, l- interpretation of my father? You, you had to make yourself a character in, yeah. in the telling of this. Yeah, it was, it was, I would have, I would have given anything not to have to do that, but mm-hmm. it, 
seemed inevitable. It was after a, a, probably a couple drafts, and it was clear that I just didn't have the you know the emotional power, and it was clear that it needed my emotions to make the book run, mm-hmm. you know, to make it work. And I also started it before his dementia really became so pronounced. Sure, you know. because that was that's something that started to happen over the over the course of his his getting older that you were watching him kind of start to start to lose his his grip on is that lose his that, marbles yeah, yeah you can yeah yeah um and you know it, it became kind of a family detective story with mm-hmm. me as the protagonist trying to investigate this mystery of why is my father the way he is yeah, and it, it's hard if you were to approach it the way you initially thought, where it's like, I'll just tell his story. It's like, the whole thing is he was so, so reluctant to hold on to any of the, even before the dementia started, he was not, he was not living, he had buried his past. Yeah. And just powered beyond it, never looking back. He'd buried his past. He had buried every part of himself connected with it, too. So mm-hmm. he had buried a lot of himself as well. Sure. So a lot of him, his own existence got kind of thrown out with the, with, just to get away from what that was. Right. And what do you think, what do you think the part, like at the core of what that was that he did not want that to be a part of his identity as an adult? Like what do you think's at the core of that? I think he found the public attention so um, disruptive to to his life. Mm-hmm. And then when it turned negative, I think it was just horrifying to him. Because just to give some, some, some context for this, he was – there was a movie. They, like they made a movie that your dad right. acted in as the quiz kid. Right. Like the way that there would be a movie that would have like um, – like maybe when the woman from uh, from Survivor was in that Rob Schneider movie, the right. animal, like right, just right. like yeah, Colleen from Survivor. But it's just like yeah, she's she's a hot commodity. Let's put her in a like people want to see her in a movie. Yeah, but your dad was like hanging around, like doing photo ops with like. With like who? Like Abbott and Costello? Was that one of the? Yeah, and and Orson Welles and Marlena Dietrich and uh, lot, lots of people who have been forgotten since mm-hmm. then. Lum and Abner and uh, you know, Little Beaver. And you would be you as a little kid would be watching something and occasionally hear his name as a as just like the way the way like Bugs Bunny would talk about like Wendell Wilkie or something, and you're a kid and you're just like. I don't know who that is, <laughs> but it sure seems like Bugs Bunny's having a good time goofing around about it. Yeah. Like, how did you hear his name reflect? Like, what, what's a specific thing? Well, like, there, on Rocky and Bullwinkle, there's an episode where they say, next time, tune in for uh, whatever happened to Joel Kupperman or get that quiz kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw that when I was very small, and, yeah. you know, that was a big shock. And you were just like, I think that's that guy is my father. But it was a, it was a harder pill to swallow. Like later in life, when I got really interested in old comedy, like mm-hmm. the Marx Brothers and Fred Allen and that stuff, and then to realize, you know, to open up a book and see him with Chico Marx, 
uh-huh. to realize he'd performed with all these people yeah. and had never mentioned it and still wasn't mentioning it and you know yeah and and the the, the one of the sad parts is that he was the only the only connection to these crazy adventures because his mom is gone yeah by the time you're you're an adult she's gone and these things just start to get lost as time goes on and he could have these could have been stories that that he that he could have he could have kept alive but they were all thrown out because of the horror of getting dragged into this because there was also you you one thing you talk about in the in the book is that he ended up being kind of a symbol as well during that during that period because he was like a, a young young Jewish kid yeah that he had he was kind of like a representative symbol of just of of just to show like a like a a, a, like a likable little Jewish kid? Is that yeah. what, how you'd say it? A human-seeming Jewish yeah. child who was cute and could do math. Yeah. And he became convinced, that was the one thing he wanted to tell me when he finally would talk about it, that it had been deliberate and that he had been selected and groomed to appear as a genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was obviously very smart, but he felt that part of it was that he'd been groomed because he was Jewish and the producers wanted him you know, as a symbol. And he said that several times they would tell him, you know, what you're doing is very good for the Jews. Mm-hmm. So it was something they were definitely putting in his head. That that just in the, in the face of World War II, to have this kid kind of represent. Right. And when I factor that into it, you know, his fame suddenly made so much more sense. Because, you know, a, a child who's a little cute and can do math really isn't, going to become a national sensation most periods in history. But mm-hmm. if he's Jewish and it's World War II, mm-hmm. and there's suddenly this intense sentimentality attached to him, yeah, you know, that's very different. Yeah. Was it hard for you to suddenly say, I'm not going to write about Sherlock Holmes <laughs> on the moon or <laughs> something and be just like, all of that is, like, none of that is coming to play in this book now like there can be no half step toward some of it is like like i have to leave every tool in my toolbox that i have been using for for my career like none of it can come with me on this pretty much yeah it 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 was like no more laughing time to cry mm-hmm. for the next few years and it yeah. was it was very painful um, but I figured if I could communicate humor to some people, then maybe I could communicate other emotions to more people. So that was kind of part of my thinking. Sure. And how do you think, do you think it's going to be hard? Do you feel like doing this, that some, that the next thing you're just like, oh, now I just want to have fun again? Or now do you just feel like, well, oh, I don't know if I could just have fun like that ever again now. I'm brought these stupid other emotions to the party and they're going to stay with me now. Kind of, yeah. I mean, when I'm having ideas for for comic strips now, they're more emotional and they're more reflecting mm-hmm. things uh, from the book that I want to continue with or develop further. But it's kind of... Look, you could make a case. You do comedy for a, a long enough 
And then there's a point where, like, nothing makes you laugh anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when you make it, it's just like, boy, oh, boy, I don't know if this stuff's funny. I don't know what I think funny is anymore. And you end up laughing at, like, like... Like, you watch a movie. Like, I remember thinking, it's like, well, I think the funniest thing I saw one year was, like, in, like, Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> when, when, it was like, yeah, I think that was my favorite comedy that year, where it's just like, man, that wasn't a comedy. But I'm like, man, I don't know, I thought it was funny. Like, but other people are just not roaring. Other people are just like, I like the other movie, the one with funny people in it, doing a funny, where they tried to, Open a college or whatever they do in movies. But you know what I mean? Where you start to, you do the, the funny stuff long enough and then you just, do, do you, do you ever feel like that? Like it just, like the fuse pops? Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like that all the time, which is why I am funny. It's a, it's the mm-hmm. mechanism that comes before I just lose it. You know, it's, uh, okay. it's my pressure valve. See, cause this, so is, to speak. this is Michael Kupperman at M. Kupperman. Author of All the Answers, a graphic memoir by Michael Kupperman, available in stores now. I'm not very smart. <laughs> I'm not. I think that's true. No, it's very true. I didn't go to fancy schools. What do you think a fancy school is? Um, One that doesn't close at 5 p.m. How about that? Okay. Like, that's, the, that's the school I went to where they're just like... We're, we're closed. Time for everyone to leave. Most schools do close at some point in the evening. No, but they don't, they don't like lock up and tell you to get off the grounds because they're, they're going home. Also, usually they have buildings that kids will live in while they're at the school. No, this is, this is a community college. When you go to a place like that, they say, yeah, the classes are done, everybody out. Oh. And then they just, they like, they shut lights off everywhere. Like, it's time to, it's time to leave. Come back tomorrow. That's, being at a school where they don't do that would, I would call that a fancy school. Yeah. So my, my, my frame of reference is pretty, Pretty rickety on that. I, but yeah, look, I didn't go to the fancy schools. I'm not book smart. You know how long it took me to read your book? Four months. Because <laughs> I didn't realize that you might laugh at me when there's a bubble and the words are in it. Took me two months to realize that's what the person's saying. Oh. The picture is that that's coming from that character's mouth. Two months. Hmm. And I've read other comic books. I didn't realize that for any of these. So your book actually was pretty good because it was the first time I realized that. And now I have to go back and read these other books like Spider Man and things. I was like, wait, he said he was saying that? Yeah. He said that. Again, I'm, I'm really not smart, Michael. <laughs> but you wrote this book. 
And the drawings are so good in it. Oh, thank you. And how hard is it to decide to what you're going to draw yourself looking like? That was really hard. <laughs> that was really hard. I mean, I just, uh, I did do a draft or two with me drawn realistically, and mm-hmm. it was just too painful. I can't, you know, I had to make myself a cartoon or else I couldn't do the book. And also I felt like it, it makes it so much more universal if you don't see my horrifying face panel to panel, if you could just have the remove of this uh, cartoon character. Well, first of all, your face is very nice. Oh, thank you. And this guy truly looks nothing like you. Really? I think I think you are a nice a nice looking guy oh. and this guy is like a uh the you know he reminds me of his Henry. Huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Henry didn't have a mouth, did he? He was just No, but but it's a, but it's that same chin. kind of like it's that same kind of like there's like there was just like there's like like it's stripped back to the most basic version of what a human can be. Is that's kind true, of what yeah. you drew from, and that's kind of. I felt yeah. like it made it Harold, more... not Henry. Harold, Harold. Oh. the purple crayon. Oh, of course, yeah. Why would I say Henry? Who's Henry? Uh, the serial oh. killer. Portrait, yes. Harold, portrait of a purple crayon. I felt like it made it more universal to have. Uh, you know, someone who is basic in appearance yeah. as the central figure. No, because you you also, uh, it's just like he's just perplexed the whole time. Like you're, he because this guy is the key to you, but it's just not, the answers are not forthcoming. Right. It's a, It's in some ways a book about emotional frustration. Yes, in some ways. And some, what, what ways isn't it emotionally frustrating? No, it's really great, and it's really a. Uh, it really is the kind of thing that I cannot imagine. The 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 soul searching that has to go into a thing like this, and when you're doing it, are you just at the end of the day? Are you just like taking naps all day? Like, oh, my head hurts. From telling the story of my <laughs> father again all day. Oh, it was pretty intense. I didn't go outside for uh, a lot of days last year because I was working on this. Um, but I have a kid, so I couldn't mm-hmm. take that many naps. Uh, yeah. But I only finished this thing at the end of March, so it's been really just a rush. Into, oh, wow. Into doing the book and then running into promote it and... Uh, just expending as much energy as I can to try to get attention. So which... you you finished it in March. Yeah. And then it came out in May? Yep. That's almost like like a cash-in book. Like yeah. That's as fast. Like, usually it's like, yeah, I finished my book. It'll be out in a year and a half. Yeah, that is, that is more normal. Because I uh, was doing absolutely all the work myself, I could push the deadline much further. Okay. And they were really uh, okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I, I did everything on this book except the barcode. So, uh, mm-hmm. that was how I got to push the deadline so late. And I just, you know, it is, you know, pretty much it is the book I wanted to do, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. uh, I was able to do that. So, yeah. Oh, no. It's, it's, uh, it is a towering accomplishment. Oh, thank you. And, uh, 
Yeah, because usually a thing like this, it's almost like you, you think there's just going to be the moment where it's like, oh, there's the, there's the secret. As if you were building up and it's just like, no, but that's not how life actually works. No. It's not like it's some gotcha moment. Right. You know, that's, that's, well, that's how fiction works. Real life, everybody's just tenuously hanging on to what they got, watching it slip away. Look, I'm stuck with these guys out here, Michael. <laughs> guys out there. Well, first of all, what was it like out there with them? Oh, good atmosphere. They're really? very serious about their jobs, yeah. Really? <laughs> They're serious. Now I know you're lying. Serious about their jobs. Who ate? Who ate? Reverential. Who I, would, complained? I would say reverential. Yeah. Okay. All right. How did Mike complain about the pizza? No, no. He's shaking it. Just, just, you said no. They were very appreciative of well, the of course snacks and the pizza. Of and... course they're appreciative. Look. Yeah. These three have nowhere to be. This is like, this is like keeping, keeping hoodlums off the street. It's like Boys Town. <laughs> it is. It's, I got these three boys that I keep out of, that they keep them, Keep them safe for one night. Keep the neighborhood okay. People of Jersey City can breathe a little easier. Hey, Mike, who's good here? And I want good. Co- I'm going to tell you this, Mike. This guy's a this guy's an Eisner Award winner. If any of these calls, I don't want these clowns calling up. These people better be be respectful. Or do any of these calls have questions for Michael Kupperman? Line one. Okay. I'm telling you. And Mike, you gotta read this book. Mike hates comics, by the way. Hates them. And then people, but you know what he does at this point? He's so perverse with it. He'll be like, people be like, what did you read, Watchmen? (laughs) And then he'll be like, yeah, man, it's terrible. Like he just winds them up now. He like lets them bring they all think they're going to come with like the, the, like the magic bullet that gets him to just go, Oh, wait, I do love comics. <laughs> but he shoots, he gets meaner with the people who bring like the, like the higher the profile thing. Right, Mike? Like what are some of the books people have wanted you to read? Oh, Chris Ware. Hmm. Yeah, what's that now? What's the name of his character again? Jimmy Neutron? Jimmy Corgan? Billy Corgan or Jimmy Corgan? <laughs> yeah, no, and you hated it, right? Yeah, all right. But I'm telling you, Mike, if you read this book, I think this might be, you'll like this book. All right. Oh, you'll, you'll just check right, Mike? Out. Hi, sorry. Um, hi, this is Lori. Lori. Uh, hi, hi, Tom. Hi, hi, Michael. Hi. This yeah. is Lori from Miami. She's a she's a caller. A, a, a he knows who I am. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, maybe I don't. You know, look, we're not on we're not on a private conversation now. There's a performative quality to the show, Lori. There's tens of thousands of other people listening. I'm talking to them right now. Okay. When you go see you look, 
Or you go see if you go see Saturday Night Live in person. Have you ever seen Saturday Night Live in person? No, I've, I've never. It's the worst. Had that well, I'm gonna tell you. Trust me, it's the worst. Half the time you came <laughs> okay, to see what they're man. doing because they're because it's not for you in the building. It's for the people at home. Okay, so the after party's pretty fun, I bet. No, they suck. Also, show up at some oh. weird work party. Half of them oh. are walking around depressed because they ain't getting sketches on. They're moping around oh. the place, and then everybody's just like, "Look, that thing's a travesty." I'm ready to say, "Shut it! Shut Saturday Night Live down!" Shut once it and down! Fall. Shut it down! Wrap it up! <laughs> you had a good run. Forty-five, forty-five years. That's a good run. Yeah. Why go to fifty at least? No. You know, what if you like a why? nice so round number? Why? What do you what, what, round number? What? Why you what, you want it on a t-shirt? What do you care what number it ends up on? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm just saying. You know. Okay. Look. All right. You got your friend. Look. You know. You know who Michael is. Michael knows who you are. You know who Michael is. I don't want to get in the way of this. What do, to what do we both owe the pleasure of this call, Lori? Oh, you know, I just wanted to to thank Michael. He he was very kind to me. I was going through some stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, I actually um, shared a page with my mom. I showed it to my mom, and she was like, "Oh my God, it's it's, it's like he he took, um, you know, your dad's story." It's, it's like you had the same father. So, I mean, it, it's really, aside from, you know, being on television, our, our dads were very much alike. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it, I, I, well, I, I mean, I personally related to the story a lot. And um, it, it was all, you know, emotional for me to read. But, you know, it's, still very interesting mm-hmm. and thought-provoking yes it's a great book this is what i would recommend you to do Lori. then if you're such a fan of the book you buy a- i bought my mom a copy oh, no. oh thank you Lori. that's not enough that's not enough <laughs> that's what you need to do no joke buy a skid of this book <laughs> i'll buy my brother a buy copy a full too. a full palette Order a order a whole like look. You order in bulk, they'll give you a discount. You'll get you probably get thirty okay. percent off or something. But order a pallet of them, like six hundred <laughs> copies. You could give them out to everybody. <laughs> copies. I don't think I know six hundred people. I, a, I, I only has there ever been a better way to make a Facebook. new friend than to give them a copy of All the Answers <laughs> by Michael okay. Kupperman? So I would say for you, why don't you contact Gallery 13, <laughs> they're on uh-huh. Twitter, say, I would like to buy a pallet, a, a full skid of copy. And look, it'll be wrapped in that heavy-duty plastic when they wrap those those things and they bring it right in a huge tractor trailer pulls up in front of your house. Well, you know, exciting. the thing is, is that my apartment complex has like this package room and i don't think it'll fit you'll need to rent storage um, space yes of course yes when did what we didn't think it was going to your home (laughs) right you'll either need to rent storage space or i also live on the second floor so like 
Brent a storefront. Do a pop-up store just for the book. <laughs> okay. Right? Well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll look for uh, an empty uh, space on Franklin Street. Yeah. Put it, go, mm-hmm. go in uh, Franklin Street because, yeah, that's... Uh, the, the, look, I'm not going to say where you are. It's not my place. <laughs> what? I'm not going to say what town you're in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm in Miami. I'll get a storefront on Lincoln Road. Just get a storefront, pop-up store. That way everybody from Miami will come in and check it out. Pitbull, swing by, look at the book. Who else? Who else is a big star? Will Smith. He'll check it out, right? Maybe he'll make a movie of it, right? Oh, my God. Will Smith. Maybe uh, Jaden Smith uh, will play... Michael Cooper. Look, this Michael is the story, Cooper. Lori, right now. I'm not joking. Picture this. Jaden Smith is Michael Cooperman. Right? And he pieces the story of his pops together, played by Will Smith. Yes, right? I love it. This is the movie. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Right? We just yeah. update it. All the game show stuff is now... Uh, Make it uh, the that MTV uh, uh, ridiculousness, the 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 show where they show videos of people crashing their ATVs <laughs> into the sides of sheds, right? So that's what he did. That he wasn't. It wasn't so much about game shows. He drove an ATV around and crashed yeah. into sheds and made it on MTV. Um, look. I think we might have to, while Michael's here, maybe we could option it from him, right? Right? Yeah. Well, you know what, though? Why why are we even bothering to option? Let's just change a few things. (laughs) Just change a few things. (laughs) He won't know. But then, you know, we'll do, we'll just throw him, like, we'll let him, we'll let, we'll, like, let him act in it, right? We'll give him, like, a acting in it. He could play, like, a producer. You know, like yelling, you're like, oh, five. We'll get, he could be like the guy in front of the camera, like, five, four, three. And then they always mouth, like they don't say two or one. Let's show Mm -hmm. a little inside. All right, Laura. Inside baseball. Yeah. All right, you have a grand evening. I I have one one more question. All right, what do you have? What's the question? What's going on with Graham Linehan on Twitter? I don't know. Who cares? Block them. Block them. You know, I, I oh, have. There, wait. Oh, there's a jerk on Twitter? <laughs> oh, no. How did that happen? <laughs> Our paradise has been compromised. Uh, yeah. Block them. <laughs> he actually was automatically blocked. The block him. Uh, okay. blocker. <laughs> Good riddance. Yeah. If he's if he's saying stupid stuff, it's, it's, it's just a bummer. Get rid of it. What do you want? Yeah, what's yeah. the deal with him? Well, well, unless you're doing your stand up, what's the deal with Graham oh, Lynham? No, right he's, he's just you know. Okay, no, I, 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 oh. ah. don't you know what we're trying to do here, Lori? I'm trying to give this show be a place where people can. Where we're not just talking about Twitter and the angry and stuff. I'm trying to make it a place where people... And look, these are real things. I'm not minimizing them. But you mm-hmm. can, there's a hundred other places to talk about it. And I'm trying to make this show like an ice pack that people could put on their heads 
because their heads hurt all day long. Right, and escape. Yes, that's all. An oasis. Yes. Look, block him. If he's saying stupid okay. stuff, block him. I blocked yeah. him a long time ago. I don't know. I blocked him when he talked about that dumb TV show he did. I couldn't take that. I couldn't Father take him about, Yeah, I couldn't take that. I blocked him eight years ago. <laughs> I couldn't handle that stuff. I don't even know what he's about now. But yeah, look, I see people are mad at him, and I don't know what it is. But yeah, if he's wrong, I'm sure, look, I know the people who are saying this stuff. I'm on your side. Block him! Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's make this movie happen. Yeah. Well, I'm looping you out now, Lori. Oh, no! Oh, thanks, Lori. You're being blocked. You're blocked. You're, I'm blocking you from the production of this movie. Yes. So where what? Where were we? I feel like who? Huh? That no. I like Lori. So let's take a couple more calls. Is this a good one, Mike? Best show. Hi. Oh, hey Tom. Hey Michael. How's Hi. it going? How's it going? Hi. Who's this? This is Jonathan in Toronto. Jonathan in Toronto. Now you. I'm so sorry. This book is not available in Canada, right? Is that true? Ah, you know, I was gonna, I was, I wanted to buy it at a shop, so I didn't well, look I'm online. Wait, wait, wait. And I'm I was, being told it is available in Canada. I think it is. No, I mean, I can imagine is. like little of stories in Canada, but is. I'm trying to create yeah? a Oh, right, of course. Huh? Yeah. Trying to make him worry. Yes, it's I'm only available in yet. Canada for a limited time. <laughs> okay, so I'll get out tomorrow. Yeah, get it because when when it's gone, it's gone, and you'll you'll have to cross the border to get one. <laughs> I wouldn't want that. Yeah. So uh, it's a great book. Look, you're not going to read. Yeah, it. no, no, I'm stoked to read it. First of all, I did want to mention that I also went to Middlesex and can vouch for oh. the lack of fanciness. Why did you go? Why did you go? Why did you end up at Middlesex County College or Community? What happened? What went, what went wrong in your life that sent you? <sighs> it was proximity. I had friends that lived in Somerset, and I mm-hmm. they had a room for rent, so I lived in their place, and Middlesex yeah. was close. And It's the kind of yeah, place where you I, go, I made up for it. It's, you'd, yeah. you'd go to the cafeteria, <laughs> and there'd be, like a, there'd be like a pizza thing in it, pizza parlor in it, and then they'd <laughs> be like, yeah, we're out of pizza. We're done making pizza today. Because they sold the, yeah, they didn't want to make any more pizza after 2 o'clock. Right. It's like, what am I supposed to eat? Right, right. Cinnamon toast crunch from a vending machine? No, like, oh, the vending machines, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. It's supposed to be a school. Like, yeah, it's a, they got it's like three vending machines and a pizza place where the guy makes a limited amount of pizza for the day. That was yeah. my collegiate experience. And then just like hordes of smokers, like you would just like have to fight through all these like crowds of just smokers. Yeah, look, like outside every building. Look, it's the school sucks. Yeah, we're yeah, the we're yeah. the worst for it, right? Did you feel were you feel you feel compromised by it, right? Yeah, nah, yeah, I was not uh, not pleased. No, with that experience. Yeah, um. I moved on, but I don't know if I, yeah, I never where really. Did you, where'd you go? What did you, where'd you, where'd you, tra- did you transfer to somewhere else out of there? 
No, no, no. Well, I, of course I, not. Those credits don't apply. <laughs> right, yeah. Those, those credits, no, yeah. those are... <laughs> no, those, those, not cre- valid, those credits yeah. are... That's like... Those credits are, are just like when you go to the movie theater and you, they give you free, like, points for popcorn, free popcorn right. if you see enough movies. Those aren't so, real Or some movies. school in Guam. It was like, yeah, you can go to Guam. Like, you can't. They did yeah. not apply to another. Can you imagine walking in with your transcript to another school? Well, I went yeah, to Middlesex Community College for two years. I'd like, I'm sure some of these cl- classes must transfer over. Now, you're back at square one. Why did yeah. they do this to us, right? And you got uh, these egg, you got, look, you got these eggheads like Kupperman here, right? I went these to art school. Are, you went to art school. Yeah. But you're still a smart guy, though. Yeah. You're a smart guy. You even just said, yeah. Well, I'm half, no, I'm half smart. I'm half stupid, you know. Look. You're still half. At least you got half. Uh, right? Not like me and this loser on the line. Yeah. Now, right? What's your name again? Jonathan. Jonathan. Look, we took our lump. But you know what we get, though? Sure, maybe we don't know how to spell words or <laughs> or we don't know all the letters in the alphabet, right? But we got something that they can't, that you can't get at any school, right? Right? Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> we have pizza. pizza, pizza now we two. have pizza. Yeah. We know what it's like to go to a pizza place and the guy just says, yeah, I'm not making any more. Best of luck to you. I hope you like Cinnamon Toast Crunch without milk. <laughs> All right, you have a great night. Look, it was a rough experience. Sure, maybe we don't know. Hello? Wait, how did I let, who did I let on the line here? What? Best show, Hi. Hi. It's Seth Kramer. Oh, hey, how are you? I'm okay, how are you? I'm good. This guy directed a movie a couple of years ago, a few years ago. It was a Morton Downey Jr. movie. It was a movie about my hero, Morton Downey. Not my hero. He was trash. Mm. This guy. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I loved the hero show. Hero in quotes. Yes, he was somebody I like. I, I, but now, what's the deal with you, Seth? You got a new thing? Oh, God. Yeah, I'm filming it. So it's not done. So you got a but new... It's, okay. It's cool It's it's cool enough to start talking about. And what is it? What's and it? it's on it's on a punk band. First of all, it's hard to follow up a documentary about Morton Downey Jr. Yeah. But this one is pretty, pretty good. It's about a punk band called Color Killer. Okay. And they are, they're awesome, but they're really young. They're like the, the lead guitarist is eight years old. Eight? Eight. And he's good. Currently. And he's really he's a good. Current eight year old. This is not like a trip down memory lane about an old band. This is a current band, Color Killer. This is a current band. They just played like Warp Tour. They were, you know, last Friday. They're like the youngest band ever to play. And, uh, yeah, the drummer's 10, and then they got two other, they got a rhythm guitar, and they got a bassist, they're both 12, Mm -hmm. and that's it. But they're really, really good, and it's uh, it's hilarious. They're very similar, if you remember, like, Old Skull. Sure, do you remember that band, Old Skull, my name was this group of these these nine-year-olds who had a band back in the 90s. 
So color killer. You're saying this is like the next uh, extension of, of little kids who who are rocking out. Yeah, but you know they're like a little bit more. They're a little bit more. I don't know what. Well, sophisticated is not the right word. These guys are like knuckleheads. Okay. Um, but maybe for lack of a better word, sophisticated. <laughs> you know, they're like the like old old skull was. Uh, they were like screamo kind of. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these guys are more a little bit more Ramones. So they're like their music is a little bit is is melodic. And they're, you know, they're, I th- they take the craft very seriously. Sure. But they're, they're kids, so when I first learned about the band, they thought, first, I always wanted to make a doc about a band, and I never got to. Uh-huh. And, uh, I saw these, these guys online, and I said, they're pretty good, but I wonder if it's just like a gimmick, you know? So then Maybe their you, parents put them up to it or something. So then you entered the world of Color Killer. I did. To find out about this. So I, I, you know, I, I went, I paid them a visit, right? Uh-huh. They're, they're in Marlboro, Massachusetts. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's kind of like a working class, you know, Massachusetts little town. And, uh, the, you know, the, the parents and the kids agreed to meet. And I'm thinking maybe it's going to be like a bunch of pageant parents, you know, like with the beauty pageant kids, like they're pushing the kids to do it and they want to retire. They want the kids to become famous, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I show up and one of the dads in the driveway and he's drinking, like he's smoking a cigarette and he's drinking a Red Bull. And I figure, okay, I could probably deal with the, this guy at least. And they're, pre- they're just like legit. You know, the kids decided that they wanted to play. They got surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they started to play these, they play these, and you could see them, by the way, they're on YouTube, and they got a Facebook page, all that stuff, but they started to play all these dive bars in, in, around Boston. Nine-year-olds. Say again? Nine-year-olds are playing. Nine-year-olds. Eight, an eight-year-old, a ten-year-old, and two twelve-year-olds, and the bars let them in, and they'll go on at like, you know, nine-thirty. And they'll play, you know, they'll, sometimes they'll play with other punk bands that are, that are there. And they'll go home around midnight and they fall asleep in the back of the car. You know, their mm-hmm. parents drive them around. Sure. But they got a reputation and then that landed them a gig on Warp Tour. And they actually, they actually nailed it. They did, they did great. And so now they're kind of taken off. So this is a movie you're making now? What is this? I am. So it's a documentary about this band. I've been filming it for four months, but the band's only been around six months. So, you know, essentially right at the beginning. And it's it's fun. It's like a look at the creative process, but but with these little, little crazy kids and the music school. And it's a thing. It's a, there's also a Kickstarter for it, right? Yeah, we put, you know, if you go, Color Killer has a Facebook page, which you gotta check out, cause you could see them play, and, and, and you won't believe it. They're kinda like adorable. Punk probably shouldn't be this adorable, but, you know, there it is. And, uh, to make the film, we put a Kickstarter out there. Alright. You know. Well look, this is what I'll say. I will watch this movie. I'm gonna check out videos by Color Killer. Cause look. I like punk music just as much as the next guy. I like nine-year-olds just fine. So nine-year-olds and punk together 
That might be my favorite thing ever. It's kind of perfect. In, in fact, you know, the music's kind of, punk is a little immature, uh-huh. I guess, you know. So when you see young kids playing it, it kind of makes sense. And now when I see older, like adults playing it, that, that kind of doesn't make sense. I'm like, wait a second. You know, it's it's almost like adult, the adult bands are kind of play yeah. acting, so like and the change, kids are, you know. It's like a game changer now. They've changed the entire, they, they've flipped the whole script. Yeah, well, for me. All right. Well, for look. me. But, you know, it starts with one person. Well, we'll see what happens. This is what I'll say. You showed you, you, you earned your keep on the Morton Downey Jr. movie. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta up my game. I know, yeah. I gotta keep so it. This right. color killer. People should check the Kickstarter out. They can see what's what with it. And then maybe they become fans of color killer too. Uh, who knows? I don't know. We'll find out. When's the Kickstarter end? We, you know, we, we put it up like about a week ago and it's got two weeks left. Oh. And we've raised, you know, I don't know, I haven't checked it, but it's like probably 5% of the total. Okay, so you got a ways right. to go. It's yeah. alright, I'm not, I'm not panicking. No, We're gonna get don't there. Panic. Look, I get this guy out here who works on the show, AP Mike. He's what you call an angel investor. He, <laughs> he's the kind of guy, look, he throws money around like nobody's, I've seen this guy. If I can get him to watch this color killer thing, you might just all your dreams. If he write, if he just clicks that pen. If you just hear the click, then he takes his checkbook out. You and Color Killer aren't going to have a thing to worry about. If if he gives like twenty bucks, we'll send him an album. There you go, Mike. They got an album now. All right, he might do it. He uh, well, you know, I'd like to talk to for twenty, 20 bucks. Uh, he's my new best friend. All right. Well, him. that's a that's a you need to elevate your standards. <laughs> Twenty dollars. Make friends. So uh, you know, we'll make it twenty-five. All right. Yes. You You know, know, that gets you a gold level friendship with me. All right, Seth. Look, where I look forward to this. I hope everybody makes the movie a reality, so I can see it for selfish reasons. And I, it's a, it's a blast. Yeah, I guarantee you're gonna like it. This is a movie for you. All right. If you were a fan of Downey, well. You know, Downey was like sort of the punk of like talk show. Yes. Host, right? We'll check it out. I'm going to check these it out. Guys, and by the, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm giving a soft sell. I'm not trying to sell it hard, but no. it's, uh, well, you look, you'll like is, it. What is it? This, uh, yeah. Don't worry. It's fine. People check the Kickstarter out. They check the band out. Thank you. I appreciate the call, Seth. And we'll, we'll, we'll follow up on this. It's great talking with you, Tom. Same here. You take care. All right. All right bye. And also, remember this. This is the thing that, that, that Jason had to burst through the door right as Michael was talking about his father, uh, telling the story of his father, uh, uh being, uh, in anti-Semitism in World War II. Jason burst in to say, not so fast. I need to tell you about FOMO Live <laughs> this Sunday, August 5th. FOMO Live with Kristen Bartlett, our friend Kristen Bartlett. We all know her. She's uh, from the Half Hour Power and uh, other things. Sunday, August 5th at 8 p.m. at Union Hall, including Anna Benton. Who? Anna Brayton. Mike Drucker. 
Carly Ann Philbin, Luke Nill, Alexis Pereira. Per- okay. Well, maybe you don't fit it all on a post-it. I'd be able to get everybody's name right. You know, it's like it's like the brother in Crumb, the the middle brother. The writing gets smaller and smaller on the thing. But I'm supposed to read this thing. Keisha Zoller is going to be there too. What matters, and Dudia will be there too. Union Hall, August 5th. That's this Sunday, 8 p.m. FOMO Live with Kristen Bartlett. It's, it's a very popular show. People are really, I hear, I heard good things. I literally, lit, I legitimately heard good things about the last couple of shows. Dudio. You working on your act for it? All right. People should turn out and watch that. But what they should do before that is you buy all the answers. It's Michael Kupperman's book. It's a good book. It's not even a good book. It's a great book. Could not believe it. I tried to make a book that anyone could read, even if they had never read comics before. Sure. And and understand and Mm -hmm. get through. Yeah. For Mike, he's basically what you did. So when you saw the movie Magnolia. Yeah. The, the, the William H. Macy character was probably, probably, there's elements that were, that were just based on who your dad was. Yeah, some of it might be coincidence, but yeah, it's definitely pulling from the same mythology. Just the idea of the kid who was the, sure, the, the yeah. little genius. No, it definitely resonated. And my father wouldn't see that movie or quiz show after, mm-hmm. uh, he saw Radio Days. He was so horrified. He just steered clear of anything that might. You know, be mm-hmm. triggering. Sure, from the period. So, but but he did want you to tell the story. He went through this period where he seemed to really want me to tell the story. Right before his his dementia was mm-hmm. uh, diagnosed, where mm-hmm. he seemed almost eager that I tell it, and then that went away again. And then he he was once again saying to me, "I don't think you should tell people any of this. I don't want anyone to know." So he kind of he vacillated on on what what he wanted. Yeah. Told and not told. And then there would be points where you would ask him point blank about certain things and you, it seems like you would sometimes just get the initial outer shield. Yeah. But then you could sometimes get past that shield and he would, he would talk about things more in, in depth. Yeah, somewhat. But if he made a strong statement, such as, I was very angry at my mother, he'd withdraw it again a minute later and go, no, no, angry is too strong a word. So he just really, the the idea of being angry or being emotional about these things. Any unpleasant thoughts. He kind of cut the cord on all that stuff. Right. And just did not want to access those feelings again. Right. Because he actually made a break from it. Yeah. He went through the experience. He was the... They kept keeping, they kept him on the show year after year, well past his kind of expiration date of that other kids had, had come and gone. Yeah. And, but then he went over, he went to England. Yeah. He went over to England, uh, when he was, uh, I think 16 Mm -hmm. and studied for three years and, and escaped. But then he came back, which, you know, was, uh, probably in some ways the wrong move. And then he went on TV again, which was definitely, I think, the wrong move. Because it was all, it was all there waiting for him to re-engage with. But over overseas, nobody knew who he was. Right, no one knew. So he was just 
a Anon- smart young guy. Yeah, who anonymous. Was, yeah, so, just, yeah, just like anybody else. And then he came back, and there's also something. Look, I we're we're joking about the idea of of smart kids and and being dumb and stuff, but it's like he actually represented to a lot of young people. Like, so his peers. Yeah, he represented the guy who made them feel dumb yeah by comparison that he'd been held up as an example for them he said they that kids told him that all the time like i like i don't like you yeah. because of what you represented yeah to my childhood yeah exactly yeah and you know you can see it later on in in the Woody Allen film and in what Nora Ephron said about him that you know these people grew up really hating him mhm because he was like the know-it-all. He was the know-it-all. He was the nerd. You know, mm-hmm. he was, uh, you know, yeah. And he and he, he shouldn't have been on TV at all. I think mm-hmm. he should have left after radio. But when he went on TV, then everyone knew what he looked like. So mm-hmm. he was very easy to target. Yeah, and also because he was just looked like a normal kid too. Yeah. So everybody also sees a guy who it's not just like, well, he's Mister Perfect. In terms, he doesn't look like a movie star suddenly right. on a thing. He just looks like a normal kid like every other kind of brainy kid would look like. So, of course, you're going to hate him. Yeah. He was just an awkward teen. and you know. Yeah. And w- when he moved into adulthood, how, how, do you, how did he finally get that kind of like established some distance from it? Well, he, you know, he he finally, after the disastrous game show experience, he moved, you know, to Mansfield, Connecticut, which really, in some ways, still is the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really sequestered himself and just taught at the same place for 50 years and avoided the spotlight. He never talked to a reporter again. He, mm-hmm. And he just hid himself away until everyone forgot about him. Sure. You know, and he could escape back then because he'd been at his most famous during World War II when most paper was supposed to be recycled for the war effort. Mm-hmm. And, there were, you know, the video didn't last. They didn't couldn't even record video till like 47. So, you know, most of the evidence of his fame went away. Okay. So it was just, it's interesting that it's just, then it just comes down to a story of brains and it's what's in his brain What's in everybody else's brain? Everybody, so it's just it's just memory, right? Then, but because that's all fame is—it's awareness, and if that vanishes, it's you, you're left with nothing. Yeah, but but you can't even just go back and like slap the thing down and go like, see, this is the thing about what it was then, right? Like you like with the internet now, you can kind of you can kind of slide into any, yeah any moment that happened and just be like, see, that's what everybody was talking about on that day. And that's who that person was. But it just like, he, he caught this, this era where, especially with the war effort, when those papers are getting recycled, that it really was not, the world was not overrun with like tangible proof of who he was outside of what would be kind of rattling around in someone's, Head. Right, exactly. Like, and then he was in in the early days of TV, but no one thought it was worth really recording, you know, what even was on TV or mm-hmm. any of these programs he was on. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is an interesting life. And to 
but it, it's an interesting life, but it's all, it's something to, it's not a life that you kind of wish on anybody. It's interesting that someone else lived the life, but it's just like, yeah, I'd rather hear about someone living that life or rather than live right that life. Well, I mean, the other kids in, uh, in the main quiz kids group, most of them joined the show when they were a little older. In fact, one of them wrote, wrote to me recently, the last surviving one, uh, Richard. Okay. Who, you know, he, I think he joined the show when he was 11, as did Harv Bennett, who went on to do the Star Trek, uh, movies. Mm-hmm. And he, I think they just enjoyed it because, um, the, the kids who joined when they were six, it formed their identity. It formed who they were. The kids who came when they were 11, they had already formed their identity, so they could just kind of treat it as a adventure. Yeah. They pop in, and then they were out two years later anyway. Right. Cause, exactly. Because they were kind of cycling the kids through every every couple few right. years. Right. Well, the right? graduation age, as they called it, was 16. But, mm-hmm. you know, some of them were smart enough to just say, okay, I'm going to step away now and not, you know, mm-hmm. be on radio every week of my childhood. Yeah. And then realizing... Was your grandmother a part of your life? Was she gone? Not so much, no. Mm-hmm. We were really – we. she lived on the other side of the country, and we were yeah. definitely encouraged in a way not to have a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird with the bummer of a grandmother, man. I know what that's <laughs> like. You're just like, yeah, I don't know if you're a good person. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about you. Yeah. Well, I've been hearing from the other side of the family, and um, my impressions were mostly echoed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, it's like, yeah. Isn't it amazing that one person whose motivations are not, like, it's not like she's, like, rubbing her hands together with, like, schemes that she's going to, like, willfully make things bad, but just the amount of agony that someone's kind of slightly off center but pure and yeah. she thinks or she thinks it's a good thing just the amount of agony that somebody like that can just call it just spreads yeah and it's just, it's like wildfire it's true it's a lot of unhappiness and it, and she did it so badly that's that's another strange thing is that she didn't seem to have had a really good game plan mm-hmm. they never got a raise for him mm-hmm. he was on that show for 10 years and was still getting 75 dollars a week at the end of that yeah you know so he hardly made any money which is why he came back and did that game show i think he thought when the big game show explosion happened mm-hmm. you know now's the chance to just come in once Answer questions and, and make some actual money this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Grab some money because that was – because at that point, game shows were the hottest thing. Right. In the mid-50s, you know, they yeah. exploded. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's such an interesting story and such an such a, an amazing book. And uh, – Oh, thank you. Mike, who's – is this good? What? All right, question. Best show, hi. Hello. Hi, Tom. Hi. Hi. Um, I've never called in before. I'm sorry. I'm you don't worry. Very don't nervous, worry. Don't but, worry. Um, it's what's amazing your, to talk to you. What's your name? What's your name? Hi, I'm, I'm Craig. Hi, Craig. Where are you calling from? Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. How are things in Baton Rouge tonight? Uh, pretty rainy, pretty, um, gross out there, but 
Do you ride, I mean, one, of those you ride one of those boats with the giant fan on the back? I haven't, but I was do you listening have, to... Do you also have I a have. car? Do you have that instead of a car? Or... <laughs> all, or do you, does your car have a giant fan? It's not like a... Your car is not like... Like, you can't do that with your car, right? Um, I mean, I would have to refer you to the uh, documentary, The Water Boy. Everything that's presented uh, about Louisiana and there is exactly accurate. Yes. Um, and it's just like that. Now, when you get into, like, a fist fight with an alligator, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah like whenever i tell people i work in a hospital they uh-huh. kind of scratch their head i'm like oh no it's it's a uh it's in like a swamp it's run by alligators sure, exactly. I, I just there's alligators walking down the hallway <laughs> do you ever feel like like how much you must not be worried about the alligator when you get to that point where you just start slapping it back and forth right like comedically slapping it across the snout like you know like Right? Oh, yeah. Cause, I mean, usually it's, it's, uh, at that point it morphs into sort of like a bad looking, uh, clay nation sort of deal, but no, that's, mm. alligators actually do that. They stand on their two feet like a mm-hmm. kangaroo and they punch at you and mm-hmm. claw at you. It's, it's exactly how it goes. Sure. Now you, are here also not just with me, but with Michael Kupperman, the Eisner Award winner. He's an Eisner Award winner. Uh, part of why I called. I'm a uh, big fan, and um, yeah, the timing of it is crazy. I, I, hi, Michael. Hi. What's your favorite so, uh, thing that Michael has done? <laughs> like, what do you like? I, I like his Twitter. I, I mean, right. I. I like his Twitter. Too. Yeah, I feel bad for saying I'm a fan and being like, "Don't worry." Oh yeah, I, I like his tweets, but I'm absolutely going to buy all the answers. Um, that's been like uh, just straight up settled tonight. All right. So, do you have something to say to him? I did. I uh, wanted to ask uh, Michael. I saw you weighed in on the um, on Twitter. Are you didn't really weigh in? I guess, but you commented on um, a reply to a uh, spook person on Twitter, and oh. they've been having, like, their tweet-stealing controversy going on today. And I know Tom's been very vocal about joke theft before. He had his song stolen from him. That was a Look. saga on here. And um, I guess I was just kind of wanting, like, as a queer person, I've been very conflicted because spook person is uh uses they them pronouns i don't want to misgender them but i've seen before comedians get really agitated that they have stolen tweets from them or stuff from tumblr or facebook or anything and this person has a huge twitter following and writes on a netflix show but also like the sort of not witch hunt, but reaction today, it's been very uh, transphobic, queer bashing. And yeah. I saw your tweet, Michael, where it was like someone had like this really long graphic response to um, their apology. And he said, oh, you seem stable. 
So I guess I just kind of wanted to hear you two sort of weigh in on this. Like, what do you, like, it's, the dynamics of it are so fraught because, like I've seen today, there's literally dozens of tweets that if you want to say parallel thinking or whatever, that's fine, but there's literally, like, dozens and dozens of tweets that this person has conveniently tweeted after someone else and like I know about this person because they're good Twitter friends or friends or whatever with Paul F. Tompkins and they're very funny when they do their riffs together and stuff and just sort of seeing this today and all of the sort of both sides of this I was just wondering what y'all uh, thought about it about joke theft I I, I I don't know. I I looked at the screenshots. It didn't really seem like joke theft to me. It seemed like she was taking ideas that were kind of floating around, and she kind of dressed them up and cleaned them up. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't just stealing anyone else's language. It seemed to me. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there there's a fine line there. But I like Spook Person, and I think you know they do good work. And uh, I don't know. It it seemed a bit, eh, you know, a bit exaggerated. The response. You know, um, I mean, I I think that's why Spook Person is successful because they take these ideas that other people, you know, that that are floating around, but then they kind of really clean them up and make them mm-hmm. really shiny and mm-hmm. interesting. Well, look, I can only say one of my nearest and dearest friends in this world is the fat Jewish, and <laughs> he's a good dude. And he just likes to, he looks at jokes, he says to me, Tom, jokes are like a joint, you gotta share them for them to be any fun. You said that was Tommy Chong said that, he said, hey man, jokes are like a joint, you gotta share them if they're gonna be, it's like, what, no, (laughs) they're not, ugh. I gotta look. You can't worry about Twitter. This is what you just understand this. Twitter's the worst. <laughs> the only way to make Twitter work for you is to figure out a way that you get more from Twitter than it gets from you. It's okay. if you have any means in this world of expressing yourself in a better form format than Twitter. That should be your primary concern. Twitter is is just a place if people don't have anywhere else to to say what they want to say for them to say it. Yeah. Just if That's you if you if, if you have any other way to say things that take up that you you need more real estate to say what you want to say and put more thought into it, lean into those places. And look at this thing as a very faulty company that gets free content from entertainers. It's like an open mic that they get famous people of all different levels and stripes to show up at and perform. And the only thing they all have in common is no one, they make nothing off of it. And just remember, that's what it is. And it really is true. Like, I just, like, I've never felt better about it, you know? I was listening to old 
comedy bang bang and there's an episode where uh nick kroll and james adomian in character say the n-word a bunch and it's from like almost 10 years ago but i like was tweeting him about it and like it just turned into a bunch of like fans of adomian attacking me and saying like i was gaslighting and hysterical and it was all just horrible i'm like i i don't know it's like i guess just don't meet your heroes kind of ideals but i, I guess I, I just wanted to honestly well, the, the, the uh, line you, you've never you've never steered me wrong tom so well, look, the line uh, moves, I, I just the line is moving in a way that's more considerate of people and the only thing is it is hard making comedy and when when you did it in the past and the line was in a different place it doesn't mean you still weren't on the wrong side of the line then i don't know I don't know. I didn't. I don't know the exact thing you're talking about. You could be on the wrong side of the line ten years ago too, or it just or now in 2018, it it just feels completely different because the line has moved. So, but you you just you just be nice to people, and it's just you just gotta take a few words out of your vocabulary. It's not the hardest thing in the world. People act like they they're being walked off a cliff. No, I'm grateful for the online mob. I, I think it's a good force for good. Just Wait, was that sarcastic or? No, not really. I mean, I, I sometimes, yeah, no, there's, there's always a mob, you know, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it's too much or in the wrong place, but I do feel like I personally have learned a lot more from Twitter about, you know, what's okay and what isn't. And just realize. If there's a, if you got a bat, right? If the bat, the other people had the bat forever and now the, the, the people who never had the bat in their hands got the bat and they're not, maybe not used to swinging a bat around. So it's an adjustment. The thing, the, 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 the balance will regulate. So if people go, if people run a little hot on certain things, that's just the line f- defining itself. Yeah. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. You take a few words out of your vocabulary. Just be a little mindful of people. How's that the hardest thing in the world? (laughs) Treat people like people. That's all. Treat people like people. Yeah. You hear that, Mike? Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) And look, I'll bring applesauce next week, okay? You'll get your applesauce. You'll get your pound of applesauce. All right. Thanks for the call, and 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 uh, check out Michael's book. You won't regret it. All right, thanks so much, Tom. Thanks, Michael. Oh, I appreciate thank you, y'all. Greg. Have a grand evening. Yes. Yeah, it's hard. Twitter's hard. It feels like uh, some of my followers are always angry at some other of my followers. It's hard. Everything's it's hard. Everything's hard. Yeah. You're allowed to. You're allowed to step away once in a while, though. You're allowed oh, sure. to cool off. And well, I did when I was doing the book. I took eight months off from the internet, mm-hmm. and I honestly. I missed it a tiny bit, but mm-hmm. I, I can't say I felt like I was missing out on a lot. No! Especially post-election when the rage-ometer mm-hmm. just has gone so high. Yes, well, stuff... Everything finds you. You don't have to go toward it if all the time. important, so. yeah. Yes. It's going to find... like the. If you don't watch the news like a, like a psychopath round the clock... That's okay. The news is going to find you. You'll know what's going on. Or the news is the the, the the news is everywhere now. 
Oh, sometimes, <laughs> Michael. Michael Kupperman, what are we going to do? Uh, what are we going to do? What are you going to do a next? New society. What's next for you? What's next? I really don't know. What's do next? Know. Floating in a world of possibilities. Book about a talking toilet. Why don't you just do yeah. something like that? That's an idea. He followed up the follow-up to all the answers. <laughs> the talking toilet. <laughs> People are like, ooh, picture, <laughs> picture uh, Jake Tapper on that one. Huh. I don't know if I can give you a blurb on this one. Well, John Taffer might give me <laughs> yeah. one, though. You'll get it from John Taffer. It's like, yeah. This talking toilet's amazing. Besho, hi. Hey, Tom. How are you? Good. How are you? That's what it I'm good. This is, the, this is the H-Man. Oh, my goodness. This guy, the H-Man. Now, this... This is not unlike your, your, the book you just uh, told the story of Michael Kupperman. This is, there's this family, the Walliner family. It's a family of three very special young boys. Jason <laughs> Walliner, who's a very talented director. I know Jason. Zach Walliner, who's a puppeteer. Yes. And, uh, he has a puppet called Wally Wacky Man, who, who he has a relationship with that, uh, I'm not sure where the line is in terms of, uh, just, I'm just not sure where the line is. And then this is <laughs> eight Harry, Harry Walliner, the youngest of the three. Yeah. He, he calls himself the H man. He was once my protege on this show. And, uh, I cut him loose, and now he is a big shot in Hollywood. <laughs> and he's laughing at everyone now. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. And he's got a job, and he won't let me within a hundred miles. I'm not going to say what it is, <laughs> but he won't let me within a hundred miles of this job. I, 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 no comment. Yeah. Well, look. Take this. I don't want it. You could come crawling to me, ask me to do a voice on your thing. You can't afford <laughs> me anymore. You had nine years to get me on. Well, I didn't. I've only been here for two. Okay, only two. Okay. Well, you had two years to do it. I'm not saying what <laughs> show it is. I'm not going to say. There's three cartoons. There's one of the three. You can figure <laughs> it out. It's not The Simpsons. It's not South Park. Not Family Guy. Figure it out. Yeah. So what's up, Harry? Um, well, first I want to say hello to you and Michael. Uh, how are you both doing tonight? Oh, pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. Not bad. What's up? Yeah. Oh, I, I also, another thing, since Michael's in studio, I one of my favorite t-shirts from the FMU days was the shirt you did for the marathon with the, the child in the boat, and oh, yeah. it kills me that somehow in transit in my apartment back east, with my parents, I lost it, and I, it, like, it made me so mad that I couldn't find that shirt. Well, look, I there's a box I have in my basement. You, uh, Harry, you write me. I'll see what I can do for you. Okay. I'll find but I also, it. I had something else I wanted to bring up that kind of brings back to a call I did, I think, about a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, you, it, it was right around the New Year, and we were talking about New Year's resolutions, and one of the things that I said was that at some point I wanted to perform on stage, and um, a friend of the show, John Daly, 
kind of gave me that opportunity last week. Yes. It was so incredible. The funny John Daly, who was a f- uh, comedian, a very funny guy. He did a show last week in Los Angeles, I guess, where he was playing saxophone and doing his doing his thing. And you were in that show. Yeah, he. I, well, I helped backstage to kind of help him uh, co-produce the show, and then he also had me come out as his blues brother. So he would start playing on the saxophone a song from the movie, and I would come out dressed like one of the Elwood brothers. Or, no, sorry, one of the blues brothers, Jake okay. or Elwood. So you came out as a. Were you dancing around? Yeah, he had me dancing, and then we we uh, he had me hold up this uh, step and repeat that we had made backstage to hold up behind uh, people in the audience who were kind of videotaping and kind of just like you know just making making jokes on their expense for videotaping a comedy show, which is really good, really kind of weird and rude. Yeah, well, look, I'll say this: you set a goal. This is what this is what this family's like. This Waller family, it's like the three little bears, <laughs> right? One is a little too hot. One, the porridge is a little too hot. Porridge is a little too cold for the other one. H-Man, just right. Oh, boy. Right? You got oh it figured boy. out, buddy. My brothers are going to hate me. <laughs> no. Well, look, they they hate you already. Oh, geez. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I'm going to say this to you. You know I love you, H-Man. You're one of my favorite people. I've, I've, I love looked, you too, Tom. I've watched you grow from a from a, a, a teen, a troubled teen, <laughs> to now being a Hollywood mogul. I'm, I still got a long way to go. Slamming the door in the face of the people who cheered them on if they just want to do a voice on a cartoon. Suddenly, you forget my name. You oh, don't know good who Lord. I, you it's, don't know it's who not I my am. decision. You don't know who I am anymore. No, that's fine. Look, you can't afford me again. I, I look. I do a voice on Steven Universe. I'm very happy doing that. It's a wonderful show. Of course, yes, it is, and it's uh, it's it's great. And they want me. You don't. That's fine. I get it. If everybody wants you, no one wants you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to. You have to have. If somebody doesn't hate you, then nobody loves you. Yeah, that's true. right. Yeah. Like so, you yeah. represent hate. To me, H man, I that is the furthest thing from the truth. You're rooting against me, <laughs> not at all. You're working against me actively uh, in, yeah. ho- in Hollywood. I'm teasing you. Look, I know you know I'm teasing. Look, look at the ringer your brother get. Look at the ringer Z man gets put through. He had to cut. He, <laughs> he, I got him at the point where he called up. He had to say like, "Hey, I just want to make it clear to everybody." I didn't take my six-month-old daughter to see the Warriors, based on some me joking around. I had I had joked or he had said he went to a thing that the cast of the Warriors were at. He had his little baby daughter at it, and I misconstrued it to where he brought his daughter to a screening of the Warriors. I don't see why that would be such a big deal. It's my little boy's favorite film. Your little boy, the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He loves the subway. And okay, it's on the subway. He loves. His- and he loves baseball. He loves, well. He loves the baseball furies. It's more about the subway and the experience of the subway. Yeah. And, now, know. don't you, with Uber now, that movie can't exist, right? Wouldn't the Warriors just be like, 
we got to get an Uber. Yeah, it's true. Right? They would yeah. just, the Warriors would just be like. Pile into two Ubers. And- <laughs> they would just, exactly. They would just get an Uber to roll up. The Warriors would be an eight-minute movie. We got to get out of this neighborhood. Oh, there's the Uber. Get in. Oh, you have five stars? Yeah, okay. Oh, the guy's got little bottles of water back here. And the Warriors are, have little hard candies and little mini bottles of water. <laughs> be a different movie. Yeah. Be about the horrors of the driver giving the Warriors like a two stars. Right. Very different movie. You think you could get that made, H-Man? You're powerful. You're running the, things the in eight, showbiz. The eight-minute cut of the Warriors? The eight-minute Uber cut. The updated, yeah, Uber. Uber, like, I'm sure Uber's looking to start doing original content at some point. Yeah. Like, yeah, Uber's looking to do some, uh, like, six months from now, be me and you pitching some mid-level executive at Uber, at Uber Entertainment, like, or, or Uber Content. They'd be um, calling it the UberTube. The UberTube. Uh, uh, That's the... This is why you're a mogul, <laughs> UberTube. You figured this stuff out. UberTube. <laughs> yes. We'll be pitching UberTube to UberTube. Well, actually get ready for Google to steal that since it's been on this show. Yeah, Google. Rotten hell. Google. <laughs> I like Bing, baby. Bing's yeah. where I... See these movies where you ever see a movie when suddenly they use like Bing yeah. in it and it's like the most unrealistic, like, no one uses Bing. Like, yeah, they did it in the Spider-Man movie and I stood up and shouted, what is this? <laughs> yeah, and there was like a sci-fi movie with the source code. It was like a, it was like, it was like, I gotta find that thing. Who's the terrorist on this thing? And he's like typing on Bing. Right. Looking for the thing. It's like, I think you might be the terrorist because you're weird. If you see something, say something. You go to like the conductor, and be like, "Ah, uh, yeah, I, it's a very suspicious character on the train." Like, well, what was so suspicious about it? He was using Bing <laughs> uh, as a search engine on his phone. I'd be like, the train immediately stops. H man. Yeah. So what's going on? What else is going on? Um, not much, you know, just it's the summer, things are starting to slow down, so I might try to make a trip home in the next couple of weeks, back to New York. Well, look, you let me know when you're out here. Okay. You let me know when you're out here. All right, buddy. Sounds like a plan. You have a grand evening. You I still got to clip them off like that. <laughs> Keeps them humble. Yeah. What are you going to do? What's next? What are you going to do next? I really uh, don't know. I don't know. I'm just recovering from doing this. And yeah. Yeah. Trying to trying to think it up through. Yeah. It's hard. Things, they drain you, right? Yeah. It really does. Yeah. That book really drained me. What are some of the surprising reactions you've gotten to it? Um, well, as far as surprising ones, I mean, people... People related to the book are starting to come forward, you mm-hmm. know, which is getting interesting. Um, so I, I'm waiting to hear, like, uh, Lewis Cowan's family, I think I can say, they've been in touch. Mm-hmm. And they're 
about to read the book, so I'm very curious to hear what their reaction is going to be. Okay. I mean, uh, their father was a fascinating guy, and he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Um, but most 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 of the reactions have been really about people relating it to their own families, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of the reaction I hope for. Sure, and it's also. I'm sure for some people it represents the time period they can relate to a parent who grew up during that era. Oh, sure. Yeah. And for other people, it's going to be just relating to a parent who emotionally is, is kind of walked the similar, right, similar path. That emotional distance. Yeah. 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 And so when you saw, just when you saw Magnolia, did you go into that knowing there was a character in it? I did not know. I didn't know any of that. Now, when you see that, are you just like, oh, boy, I can't concentrate on this movie now? <laughs> like, Well, no, because when I saw Magnolia, it wasn't really a thing. I hadn't mm-hmm. really put the thought into okay. it. So it was just, you know, okay. huh, that's a little like my dad, except okay. he's much unhappier and, uh, yeah. you know, really having a rough time there. Yeah. Besho, hi. Hey there. Hi. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mr. Coleman. Hey. How are you doing? What's Hi. Up? Who's this? Uh, this is Alex from Bellingham. What's going on in Bellingham tonight? Home of, oh. say it, you can say it. What Noggin? band? What band are from Bellingham, Washington? Noggin? Yes, Noggin. Yeah. Also? Ricks and the Rex. Yeah, go back a little older. Who else? Hussey. Further back? Posies? The po that's a good one, yes. Alright, that's enough. <laughs> Monoman? Is that what you want? Ma, what about screaming trees? Uh, Ellsberg. Els oh, see you were right the yeah. whole time. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So what's going yeah. on tonight? Well, I um one, I'm really I really like the new book. Oh thank um, you. and I uh was wondering, I, there's some scenes where your dad goes to the Universal lot. Yeah. And he meets the mummy and Marlena Dietrich. Yeah. And Orson Welles. And because of your art style, um, you know, it remains the same. And because of the wackiness of it, I, it's like almost like Tales designed to Thrizzle. Right. But somehow, you know, the, the tone's different. Sure. And, what I'm trying to get at, I, I, I hope I'm expressing this right, was I was wondering if you ever had any worries about whether or not this would work in terms of being as emotional as it ends up being, just because, you know, we've been reading, you know, all, all the comedy stuff for, like, like my son and I read the tale of design puzzle all the time, and uh, when I see those drawings, I'm, I'm so primed to laugh. Which let me just say, yeah, Tales Designed to Thrill is a funny, it's a funny comic you were doing that, and those are comped up, and people can get get uh, collections of those. Sure, now, yeah. Which is a really, yeah. I think that and well, the Snake and Bacon and the Thrizzle books are just a good representation of you doing the funny stuff. Thanks. So so, and let me also just say. Finally, somebody calls with a smart question. Sure. These calls, one call is dumber than the next. No offense to the 14 people I'm calling dumb. I'm not saying where the dumbness starts and stops. So maybe you were the smartest one. If you were one of those 14 people, 
you were the smartest one. So this guy's question, Michael. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously it was a worry that, uh, you know, I, I had to really be reductive and take out a lot of what, you know, I put in in the first place and, and just try to, to leave it as clear an emotional line as possible. Um, it, I'm sorry. No, I, I, that was it. I had nothing else to say. It, it, it seems like it would be, I mean, it, it seems like it would be tempting to get silly. Yeah. With, with some of the stuff. Um, because it is funny, you know, in a sense, with like, you know, Orson Welles and whatnot. Oh, sure, sure. I, I didn't yeah. want to confuse anyone, though, and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. uh, mix up what I yeah. was doing. Um, also, uh, that scene in the um, the pool is really great. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's, that's really good work. Um, and, and besides that, just thank you for... You know, all, this, all the work that uh, um, my son and I have had a lot of laughs reading oh, uh, your book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So thank you. That means yeah. a lot to Take me. Care thank now. you so much. Thank you. Yeah, have, have a good night. That's nice. That is really nice. I'm going to say that's a good call to end the show on. A positive, smart guy who's actually a fan of yours and can talk about it. Seem like they all were, but I well, mean, then, look, I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to make a comedy show here. Michael. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. You got to throw everybody but the most recent person under the bus. Mm. It, but all the answers, this book, it's so good. And it really is a, a true accomplishment. It was that you can tell the amount of work and emotional heavy lifting you had to do to get to the finish line on this book. And it really is an achievement. And it's a great story from a, in a lot of different ways. And I think people, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. And, um, and it's also something that is, I know it sounds like we're talking about all this stuff that maybe seems like it's going to be a heavy thing, but it's a, it's a graphic novel, not novel, memoir. And, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty uh friendly read I guess it's a, is the way I, to I tried to make it a smooth ride like, yes there's a lot of ideas and emotion in it mm-hmm. but it should be you know just smooth reading and it's designed to kind of pull you through yes so so if people feel like this is going to be something that it's going to take take up uh the rest of their year to read through a historical memoir it's like no this is a it's, it's a it's a very ent- highly entertaining, and it's it's very interesting. And uh, I look, Jake Tapper wrote his thing. Here's mine. I cannot recommend this more than I'm recommending it. There, was that <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Well, Michael, I'm so glad you got to finally come down. It was great to see you again. It's been a while. Oh, thank and, you, Tom. Yes, and uh, we'll have you back. We'll have you back when you do the next... No, you come back anytime you want. Yeah, I'll come back when I do that Talking Toilet book I'm the definitely talk, yes. going to do now. We'll get John... Uh, John Taffer. John Taffer. Yes. See, now I can only think of Jake Taffer and John Taffer <laughs> together. Now I'm just like picturing the two. That would be... What if you just do... Why don't you just do Taffer Tapper? Taffer and Tapper. Right? Yeah. Like they're detectives. Right. They run like a like a detective agency. It's an idea. Right? Yeah. 
just solving crimes at failing bars, right? They just piece together. Like, look, we got to go pitch this Uber Warriors first. Once we make all our money from that, when that's on UbTube. But John Taffer could be in that. He could be the one who's commanding his men to get the Warriors, you know. Bring them to me! That would be pretty good. Wait, if he's in the new Warriors... I want these Warriors! Like, if it's a gang in the Warriors dressed in, like, black, tacky black jackets and, like, T-shirts underneath with slick back hair. Like, that's, like, an updated gang for the Warriors. Like, the Taffers. Yeah. Well, just, I watched that show, and I know that he's the closest thing to Sinatra we have now in our culture. He might be our Sinatra, because he is classy, but a little dangerous. He's odd. Did you see the one where he decorated the guy's basement with his homemade pornography? Or uh... No, I didn't see that one. It was mag- erotic magazine covers that he claimed he had photographed himself, I think. Hold on. An episode of Bar Rescue... He, he, and he, yeah, in the basement, he turned into some kind of men's lounge by making men's magazine covers that he said, I staged these and shot them myself. These oh. men's magazine covers. Imagine that treat of the, the poor model who has to show up and that's who's back behind the camera. Wait, aren't you the guy from Bar Rescue? Yeah. Take your shirt off. Oh boy. Horror. The horror never ends. But I'm going to say to everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. And I'm going to play something. The the uh, the Spider Bags record comes out this week. Our friend Dan from Spider Bags. The album's on Merge. It's called Someday Everything Will Be Fine. Let's listen to a song called... Let's listen to the big one on it. My Heart is a Flame in Reverse. We'll listen to that. And we'll be back next week. Thanks. For listening. Bye. Tattooed on the front of his head. And he descended. And the wall jumps in the net. And he's next to the two dead family. Dead. 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 Dead.